Hello, passengers, and welcome to the Midnight Train, America's second favorite podcast, where we bring the dark to light and where listener discretion is always advised. Of course, we make fun of and joke about creepy stuff while bringing you as much information on each topic as possible. And yes, we are somewhat of a comedy podcast. At least we we, we aim for it. We don't necessarily hit it every time, <laughs> but we aim for it. But we also talk about a lot of pretty dark topics, all right? So if you're not into that, no hard feelings. Uh, we'll never make fun of, like, victims or, you know, disparage anybody or anything like that. But if someone's a butthole, guess what? We're going to call them a butthole. Well, this is kind of how we do it here, all right? how it is. So uh, thanks for giving us a chance. If you are new here, hello. And if you are not new and you're, you're returning, hi. Hey. It's good to... Good to hear you. See you. Smell you. I don't know. Talk to you. Talk to you. There it is. Yeah. That's the one. <laughs> Yay. Yay. <laughs> I am your host, the conductor of the cryptic, Jonathan Sayer. And with me, of course, back in the co-host chair is my son, Logan. Yay. I am here and comfortable. Yeah, we got the new setup going on. I know. I feel so boss right now. I feel like I should be like on the cover of GQ magazine right now. Yeah. Just chilling. Yeah, yeah. Well, if uh, if you listeners want to uh, check that out, uh, you're going to have to check out the Halloween special. <laughs> yeah. Because we are going full video, baby, but it is only, only, only for the Patreon supporters, our beautiful poopers. And someone listening new right now is like, why are you calling them poopers? Well, You'll have to sign up to find out. Anyway, Ooh. you can do that at the Midnight Train Podcast.com or over at uh, Patreon.com forward slash Accidental Dads. Mm-hmm. Mm. So listen, Patreon bonus for this week, because if you do sign up for our Patreon, guess what? You get a ton of bonuses. All the back catalog bonus stuff. All the good stuff. You know what I mean? All the weird things we've done, <laughs> as well as a bonus Every single week, sometimes more than one. Yeah. Sometimes we just throw some stuff out there. Yeah, just because. We'll send you like a song we wrote, just like, hey, yeah. this is for you because you're you're part of the family, you're part of the crew. I know you. I know you have our back. Of course. Like if there was like a kind of switchblade fight with the the Jersey Raccoons. Oh yeah. They got our back. Oh yeah. You know what I mean? They're throwing lunch boxes. Right. Yeah. Yeah. What's in the box? <laughs> What's in the box? So this week uh, for Patreon, we're going to be doing a new F That Guy, and we'll be discussing, of course, another dirt bag. And this one is a doozy. And I'm not just saying that because I want you to go sign up. I mean, I do, but I mean, but I'm being 100% legit. It's, uh, it's a disgusting human being that I didn't know about too much. Oh. In fact, uh, the only the reason I know about him is because I saw a picture Hmm. of the mask he wore when he did his dirty deeds. Oh. Yeah. Vile, vile, vile human being. Ah. And so we're going to decimate that dude pretty hard. So sign up for Patreon over there. Enough of us talking about Patreon. We get it. You guys get it, right? So we're just going to save everything for the for the end. We're going to talk about our Halloween special. We're going to yeah. talk about all kinds of cool things we've got coming up at the end of the episode. Oh, yeah. All right. So make sure you guys are hanging out for that. So let's just get into this thing. Let's turn down the lights. Hey, they're, they're down. Oh, they are down, actually. Yeah, and they're not making any noise. Oh, thank God. I know, right? Flickering calls Pretty me to <laughs> have a migraine. <laughs> uh, let's adjust our seats. Oh, I'm adjusted. Grab a drink. Got a few of those. We do. And uh, let's get uh, vengeful. Ooh. Yeah. But first, here's a toast to all you beautiful motherfuckers. So our boy Jeff, and if you are a longtime listener, you know that he used to uh, sit co-host chair on this show. 
Um, then I kicked him out. And, and <laughs> Logan came in and kicked him in his face. Was like, "Be gone, bitch, go!" Uh, so he actually, uh, you know, we were doing icons and icon all uh, together and whatnot. But uh, he had to have surgery on his foot and had yep. some cysts removed. Yeah. He's also the guy that wrote this song you're listening to right now. That's Code November. Oh yeah. So get over there, support Code November on Spotify and wherever you're you're at. It's it's good working out music. It is. You know. Get you pumped. Yeah, so get over there and then tell Jeff if you happen to see him or Code November on Facebook or Instagram or whatever. Tell him that you hope his foot feels better and to stop being a bitch. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Okay. There you go. I feel better about that. <laughs> it's my PSA for the day. All right. Are you ready for this one? I don't know. All right. Well, imagine the scene, if you will. A serial murderer is guided by a specific code that kills only those who are guilty. He has access to crime scenes as a blood splatter analyst for the Miami police, gathering information and analyzing DNA to confirm a target's guilt before killing them. Yeah. Oh, that sounds pretty Yeah. Handy. Sound familiar? Not at all. Ah, it should. Oh. It's the premise of the TV show Dexter. Is it? Yeah, of course oh. it is. Um, by the way, did you actually like that show? Or? Um, I, I, no. Never seen it. Never seen it, no. Yeah. No. And of course I love that show, and he's never seen it. So that's just how it is. And of course we're not talking about Dexter. However... He kind of leads us into what we're talking about, right? We're talking about, uh, you know, vigilante justice. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Those guys and gals that have just have said, I can't take no more. That's it. Doing it myself. That's right. I got to get it done. What comes around goes around and vice versa or however that goes. I don't know how that <laughs> term, whatever. So, obviously, murder is never acceptable, right? Mm, no. All right. It's the worst crime we can commit against one another, right? Okay, but what if, and think about this long and hard, what if someone who didn't believe in the thou shalt not kill premise decided to murder someone you love? What if someone raped or beat someone you love? What if a child was purposefully uh, abused, raped, or arguably worse, murdered? Mm. Does that horrendous situation change the narrative? Would you, could you, Take the life of the person or persons responsible for your now substantial and debilitating loss. Okay? I want you listeners to honestly think about that as we go through today's episode. Because that's what this is about. Yeah. It's about people that have just, they, they're taking the law into their own hands. And basically, whatever happens, happens. Not, not even whatever happens, happens. They're, um, I guess... I don't think they're thinking about what's going to happen. No, or, just, and if they are, they're like, I don't give a shit. There's a really cool line in a movie. I don't remember what freaking movie it was, but it's there's nothing scarier than a man that's got nothing left to lose. Yeah. So It's true. Take yeah. everything away from him. If somebody, yeah, if you've got nothing left, then who get me? Pff, come at me, bro. Right, you know right. what I mean? Yeah. yeah. So, bottom line, do specific human piles of shit deserve to die? Okay, now not all of these we're going to be talking about are going to be murderers or, right. you know, people dying and stuff like that. Um, and we are going to save how we feel until the end. Mm-hmm. Okay, because I don't want to, I don't want to taint your, your thoughts out there, listeners. I want you to, to dive deep into your own psyche and think to yourself, could I smack a bitch if they provoked me hard enough? Could I cut a bitch if they provoked me hard enough, if if I had nothing left to lose. Okay? I got goosebumps. All right, good. All right, so the first one up here is actually the guy who uh, gave us the idea for this um, episode. 
Um, again, I listened to a plethora of podcasts and I heard one about this gentleman. And to be honest, <laughs> I kind of like him. <laughs> yeah. And I'm going to say that with a little bit, a little tinge of maybe I shouldn't say that. <laughs> As we go through this, okay, so Pedro Rodriguez Filho, or Killer Petey, is a Brazilian serial murderer. He was convicted and is notorious for hunting out and murdering only criminals as a teenager between the ages of 14 and 19, particularly an entire gang, in retaliation for the killing of his pregnant girlfriend. And this dude, and just, oh, we've got some amazing stories to talk about today because we with yeah. chock full of uh, different people that have taken the law into their own hand this guy's starting it off though i almost wanted to put him at the end i know <laughs> just because his story is so it's almost like not real it sounds yeah. like something that some some schlock at, you know in hollywood was like you know it'd be awesome john wick but way worse you know what i mean <laughs> right yeah so so he served 34 years in prison before being released in 2007 Okay, having been formerly imprisoned for 71 murders, but claimed to have killed over 100 drug traffickers, rapists, and murderers. What's that you say? He served 34 years and was released in 2007 after killing 71 people and claiming 100? Yes. Say it ain't so. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Phil O was initially, just killer Petey, we're going to call him. Yeah. Was initially sentenced to eight more years in jail in 2011 on accusations of inciting violence and deprivation of liberty. Okay, basically, you'll you'll find out what we'll talk about Mm. a little bit what happened. However, he was released in 2018 after serving seven years on the condition that he behaved himself. Now, you you naughty guy, stop it. You stop it. (laughs) There's no more killing, okay? So, excuse me. Nevertheless, he uh, murdered 47 inmates while he was inside the prisons where he was held captive. Most of those were rapists. That's correct. He was in prison doing more damage than he was on the outside. Since his second release from prison in 2018, when he declared himself to be reformed from his self-declared vigilantism as a youth and committed to not committing any more crimes, Killer PD has gained notoriety as a YouTube personality in Brazil. And yes, you can watch his YouTube channel. And you know what? I'll put it in the show notes. Do it. Because he's like super... Uh, um, what do you call that? Um, he's almost humble, like very, like not necessarily apologetic, but like trying to tell you what he did and then trying to like push you away from and get away from that. Yeah. Yeah. Like inspirational to a degree. You know what I mean? This is a man that has murdered more people than some armies have. You know what I mean? Like, (laughs) yeah, yeah, it's, it's pretty wild. He runs the channel Pedrino EX Matador, later renamed 2P What is that? In <laughs> That's the first one. It's 2P in Oh, fuck my <laughs> fucking face. Anyway, where he comments on current crimes and teaches the general public that committing crimes is not something to be proud of, okay? So he's like, listen, I did this. It's not good. Don't do it. South of Minas Gerais in Santa Rita oh, do, Supa, <laughs> do Sapico uh, on a farm, Rodriguez was born. So this is where Petey was born. His father was abusive and, all in all, pretty much a piece of shit, and had kicked his mother's belly during a fight while she was pregnant, leaving the poor unborn child with a bruised skull. That is super fucked up. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. 
don't do that. Don't don't do that. Mm-mm. And listen, and this goes both ways. This goes with women fighting pregnant ladies and men. You should never be fighting a woman anyway. But I know sometimes they're like, you know, they can push you. Mm-hmm. They, can, they can push those buttons, buddy. <laughs> oh, you're like a fucking Nintendo. Buttons getting pushed. <laughs> I know all about it, but you can't do that, especially a pregnant lady. Let, it, let, let the fuck go. Turn in the other cheek. Yeah. So... In a quarrel with an older relative at the age of 13, he shoved the young man into a sugarcane press, nearly killing him, and had pondered leaving him there to die before deciding to actually save him. And the sugarcane press is probably something that you don't want to fall into. Yeah, I wouldn't want to do that. Yeah, that doesn't sound like anything with the name precedent. I don't. I don't want to. Yeah, and yeah. Any word, <laughs> any machine that says press. Yeah, no. Yeah, even like a fucking orange press. I don't want anything to do. With nope. It. Yeah, nope. I don't want to do it. Yeah. So he claimed that this was the first time he had felt the urge to kill. He was 13 years old. And remember, the whole nature versus nurture didn't really have the greatest life. And we'll talk a little bit more about his dad here in a little bit. <laughs> it's kind of not good. <laughs> so when uh, Philho was 14, uh, Killer P, sorry, was 14 years old, his father was accused of stealing food from the high school kitchen where he worked as a security guard, resulting in him losing his job. In vengeance, Killer Petey killed the vice mayor of Alfina's uh, with uh, Philho's grandfather's shotgun as he was the one who fired his father. Yeah. Yeah. So Alfina's is uh, the school he was at? Yeah. Is that what it is? Yeah. And he, so he killed the vice, the vice mayor. Okay, so that doesn't seem too... Uh, I mean, it's definitely vengeful. Definitely not inspirational. Not a vigilante move. Nope. It's that's not a not a good guy doing a bad guy thing. That's a dick move, man. You know, sometimes good people do bad things for good reasons. And that wasn't it. No. No. Not at all. Maybe in his eyes it was, though, because dad yeah. lost his job. You know, he was just trying to, whatever. I mean, yeah. regardless, he did that. So don't do that. A month later, he killed another guard at the school whom believed to be the real thief. So... That is more vigilanteist. That's definitely more on the vigilante side. Yeah, still don't agree, but but the, my problem is where it says where he believed. Yeah, <laughs> there's no concrete evidence stating that. You know what I mean? So on that one, all right, right now we're uh, we're kind of over three. You know what I mean? Yeah, kind of over three. Yeah. yeah, you know the cousin and all that. Yeah, it's okay. Yeah. He's got a hundred and some odd. Oh more. yeah, yeah. We're gonna play catch up <laughs> for sure, real quick. On the run, Killer Petey took refuge in uh, Mogi das Cruzes, uh, Greater Sao Paulo, um, again in Brazil, where he began robbing drug dens and killing drug traffickers. All right, we like him now. Woo! (laughs) I don't know if it makes up for the other ones, but it's definitely helping. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So he was killing these drug traffickers and everything else, making him a celebrity in the news media as the vigilante Pedrino Matador, Little Petey Killer. Yeah. I don't know if I like that name. Little Peter Killer? Little Petey Killer. Like, you just walk around killing little dick. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, you got a small dick? Ha! <laughs> yeah, I'm yeah. doing this for you, man. Yeah. Sorry, bud. You know your life's going to suck anyway. <laughs> so, Killer Petey killed one of the gang leaders in the area he was ransacking. After killing the gang leader, he took over his role and began running the same gang, almost like a Riddick moment. Yeah. Where you keep what you kill. Oh, yeah. You know, is that my, that's my Riddick. It's not good. That's, nope. <laughs> <laughs> it's got to be scruffier. How about, I am Groot. Is that better? That's a lot better. That's closer? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. During this time, he met a woman named Maria Hallboy oh Aparacida Olympia. Oh, that's pretty good. Nicknamed Botina. It's, it's pretty. I think that's pretty. I like Aparacida. I think that's a cool yeah, name, that's too. Cool name. Uh, after they found out that they were pregnant, Killer Petey proposed. That's hey. He's, he's on the right path now. Yeah, he's doing he's a little things. off. Now yeah. he's, he's back on. Yeah. 
So awesome to see this man with what could be perceived as a savage beast-like mentality actually has a pretty big heart. Yeah. He was in love. And I did hear that his family was like legit. Like you mess with his family, that's the one thing you don't mess with. Yeah. He was a Vin Diesel, man. There's nothing stronger than family. And in saying that, unfortunately, a rival gang leader brutally murdered uh, Killer Petey's fiance during her pregnancy. So that's a two for one. You're going to die. Mm. That that's it. Like yeah. I would kill you for something like that. Let alone this guy who's, you know, got a pretty decent track record of that. <laughs> After finding out about the murder, Killer PD uh, kind of went uh, full on John Wick here, and uh, he and a few of his friends went to the wedding of the rival gang member. Hey, gotta go check the wedding out. Yeah. Hey, you getting married? Are you? <laughs> I'm on my way. The hit squad brutally massacred all involved in the death of his soon-to-be wife and the mother of his child. He killed seven at the wedding and injured sixteen more. All of this came after Killer Petey went on a torture spree to find out who was involved initially. Like, that's, that is, it's from a movie. That's, uh, yeah. You know what I mean? This is John Wick. This is all those uh, freaking, what's the, the, Taken? Yeah. This taken. is all, like, yeah. I will find you. This is exactly the storyline of A Man Apart, which Vin Diesel starred in. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, oh, yeah, weird. Yeah. <laughs> we're, we're coming around on that one. That's yeah, right. <laughs> so we don't know precisely how many were uh, killed or hurt leading up to the point when he was trying to interrogate these sons of bitches to find out who was involved. He could have killed them all. Yeah. All right. Um, and, you know, he's an absolute monster, and he gave zero, zero fucks in this. Like, zero. Like, dot, 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 point zero, 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 zero. <laughs> you know what I mean? Infinite fucks were given. So speaking of giving zero fucks, the uh, boyfriend of uh, Killer Petey's favorite cousin, well, he knocked her up. Oh. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Pretty exciting news, right? Except for the fact that the boyfriend refused to marry her. So Killer Petey, uh, you know, shot him and killed him. Um, I, I mm, hmm. <sighs> okay. <laughs> So now, remember how we mentioned that Killer PD's father was an, an incredible piece of shit? Yeah. Remember that? Yep, yep, yep. Well, it gets worse, and I did give, I prefaced that earlier. Yes. That was foreshadowing. Oh, I see. What I did In that. the business, that's what we call foreshadowing. You like that? Uh, I'm going to start using that voice more. I like it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a few months after the massacre at the wedding, Killer PD found out that his mother had been killed by his fucking father. Yeah. No bueno. No. Mm-mm. Uh, he had butchered and dismembered her with a machete. After his father was committed to prison, well, Killer Petey went and paid him a visit. You know, got to go see Dad. Yeah, I haven't seen you him know. in so long. You know? Yeah, I got I got it. Listen, it's visitation day. Yeah. I got to go see him. No. You know, let him know how things are on the outside. Right. You know. <sighs> so, yeah. While at the, uh, the conjugal, which is just a visit between... When I first read conjugal, I normally think of conjugal being like... You know what I mean? Yeah. But I think that is a conjugal when you actually get to hang out with somebody. Yeah, when it's more of like a like I, I would assume. Yeah. I should have just taken the time and looked up what conjugal meant. <laughs> but fuck that, right? <laughs> so anyway, while in this little meeting going to visit his dad here, well, Killer Petey stabbed him 22 fucking times. Yeah. Um, For that one, he gets that. That's just it? that. Just that just, part. Just, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. Okay. Because, I mean, he's kind of doing some. Yeah. <laughs> Not only did he, did he kill his father, but he carved his heart out, okay, and uh, took a rather large bite out of it. Okay, well, I mean, okay. <laughs> Amazing that he s- still somehow doesn't have any jail time at this point or was even caught. Because that's Brazil for you. 
Brazil. Brazil. Rio. It's not all just dancing in Carnival. It should be. It, it would be nice. It kind of looks like it is. Oh, yeah. They do have the highest uh, rate of exorcisms in the world. Wait, really? Yeah, they do. Uh, they're, when we did our exorcism episode, go back and listen to that. And you'll, you'll hear what I'm talking about. They actually have like a, a 1-800 number for exorcisms. Oh, wow. It's pretty, it's pretty awesome. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, after a few years of Killer Petey continuing his lifestyle of a gang leader... It's uh, known that he killed a few more before good old Johnny Law caught up with him in 1973. After he was sentenced to, get this, 126 years in prison, he was transported in a police car with another inmate where he supposedly murdered him in the police car. Mm-hmm. I don't understand. Yeah. I'm not laughing at the murder. I'm just laughing at the fact that I don't understand how this happens. I, I, I... Do they not cuff him? I guess just bash him with his head. I mean, maybe in the seventies in Brazil, dude, who knows, man? I don't know. I have no idea. I've never been there. Yeah. If we have any Brazilian listeners, I would love to know. Mm -hmm. Is it like that? (laughs) I mean, you got to like that. Do you know what I'm saying? Like my voice is going up even more. (laughs) I'm going to be high, but notice something. It says he was sentenced to 126 years in prison, but yet, yet, wait a minute, guys, he only served 34 years. How's that possible? Oh, well, he served only 34 years, however, uh, while he was in prison. And this is because the maximum time a criminal can serve in prison is 30 years when convicted, according to Brazilian law. Okay, that was then. It was later changed to 40 years in 2019. Oh, not too long ago. Think about that. Huh. You could pretty much do whatever you want, and, you only get and you're out no later than 40 years. Uh, as long as you don't have any other infractions. Right. You know what I mean? Just don't, don't mess up while you're in there. Or girl. You'll be out in 40 years. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. And back then, it was 30 years. Yeah. There was actually a dude, <clears throat> excuse me, that uh, used to go around, um, like, in, uh, I don't know if it what, what other countries it was. It was other countries around, like, Brazil or whatever. Yeah. That has sus- sus- suspected, oh. allegedly, ah. killed, like, numerous amounts of girls and, and little boys and stuff like that. Mm. Like, hundreds. Oh, shit. And he only served, like, 30 years. Yeah, right? Right? I know, right? Uh, Interesting. (laughs) So, now, listen. While he was in prison, of course, he probably got a job. You know, started maybe a quilting ring. Yeah. You know. License plates. License plates. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, I know that some prisons, they allow you to make pianos. Yeah. 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 Like, you can do all that, you know? Some of them let you work in a butcher shop. Yeah. But remember what we said. While he was in there, he worked at a butcher shop, all right. (laughs) He murdered 47 other criminals serving time in the same prison as he was. They were the worst of the worst, though. Okay, murderers, rapists, sex traffickers, etc. I mean, now that's that's valiant. Yeah. Right? That's good. I mean, get better. Yeah. I mean, he at least, because they were all bad guys, right? In his eyes, for sure. Right. Oh boy. See, that's the that's the line. Yeah. <laughs> that's the line. Yeah, but I mean, if you're a convicted pedophile yeah. or or murderer or whatever like that, then I mean, I mean, I mean, I know everyone's supposed to have their day in court, and technically you did, and, and you, you were know, tried, and now you're we, serving time yeah, for the yeah. crime. We'll so. talk. We'll, we'll discuss our our opinions later, mm-hmm, just because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think most of you guys, if you've been here numerous times and you listen to the show often, you know how I feel. <laughs> yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, everyone knows how I feel. <laughs> Fuck them all. No, I'm just kidding. No, that's not how I feel. I kind of, but no. There's more to it. It's gray. There's so much gray. I'm not getting into it right now. But being a a, a killer of killers obviously creates a pretty strong and bad reputation among other criminals, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Like 
what the fuck, man? You know, we're supposed to be on the same level. You're killing everybody. Yeah. Wait a minute. What makes you better than him? You know? Yeah. I mean, I mean, I mean, Probably. especially when most of the prison population has that in their rap sheet, you know, murder. Yeah. So he made some enemies, obviously, while he was in there, you know? Yeah. Makes sense. Yeah. Well, he was actually ambushed by some of these people. And during the ambush, he killed three of his attackers and injured the other two. He's a bad motherfucker, dude. Yeah. Uh, this and dude, he's not a big dude. I don't know if no, you've seen him yeah, or whatever. I've seen him. He's not. Little. I think he's like 5'6". Yeah. Maybe. And it's like 180, maybe 200 yeah, pounds not. Most. But he's just a beast. Yeah. And again, obviously, you guys know, we're, it, it's we know it's not right to kill. No. But some people, I mean... <laughs> You hear my voice going up? <laughs> so he was up for release in 2003, but because of the murders within the prison, he was given an extra four years. But he only murdered bad guys. Right. I mean, right? That's yeah. There was just, you know, the one-off murder of his cellmate um, because he snored too loud. But I mean, other than that, though, other than that, okay, 46 out of 47, that's pretty good. Right? Yeah. Right? I mean, you're uh, if you're listen, if you're at the casino... yeah. And 46 out of 47 times, you hit on black. Yeah. And you're betting black. That's yeah. good. That's good odds. That's pretty good odds. Right? You know yeah. what I mean? That's good odds. Yeah. I don't know why my voice keeps doing Because <laughs> this is a really sensitive yeah, fucking subject. And I'm like, I don't know what to say. <laughs> I'm biting my tongue so hard it hurts. Yeah, like, I, don't, I don't know what to say. So anyways, he did mention that he enjoyed a few of the, murder, uh, the murders that he committed just because they were terrible people. And he wanted to kill them. Yeah. Okay. Now, he was formally set free on April 24th, 2007, but on September 20, uh, 15th, 2011, he, ooh, wow, that's right after the bad, no, no, that was 2001. That was 2001. Uh, 2001. Yeah, I don't know why that. my, because I saw the 11. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay, sorry. I'm an idiot. You guys know this. <laughs> so anyway, he was detained at his home and later found guilty of riot and false imprisonment. Okay. He acknowledged that the fact that his girlfriend was not in jail was his primary reason for wanting to be released. Yeah. Right. Like, she's not in jail. I want to be out with her. Yeah. And from what I heard, it that's, uh, yeah, he uh, he basically, like, kidnapped her and held her in the house. That's where that false imprisonment kind of thing came from. Not a good thing. I'm just saying. No. That's not a, not a, whatever. However, he was ultimately sentenced to, like we said before, 128 years for all of his offenses. And he was finally released in 2018 due to Brazil's repeal of the law stating that those with a diagnosis of psychopathy... Or psychopathy. That one I like the better. <laughs> can be imprisoned indefinitely and that the country's maximum penalty is 30 years. They cannot be imprisoned, uh, imprisoned indefinitely. Since then, he has created a YouTube channel that we mentioned earlier where he shares his experiences. In addition, he tries to teach others, of course, to not follow in his murderous footsteps. See, this is exactly how I did it. I did it just like this, and this is how I got away with it. But this is how you're not going to follow in my footsteps. Right. Just keep that in mind. Right. Yeah. Don't, don't do what I do as I'm doing it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, how about... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> all right, so we'll do a real quick summary of him, yeah. all right, of our boy Killer PD here. Yeah. Most of the time, he hunted down the various types of offenders he wanted to kill by looking up their names and their addresses. Seems easy enough. I mean... He then brutally killed them in several methods. However, he admitted that his preferred method was to hack or stab them to death with swords. Yup. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Swords. I mean, when you come to a fight with your fists and the other dude's got a fucking gladiator sword would, would, he, would he I would just love it if he came in with like a I don't know one of the old French swords that curved up <laughs> a little a rapier yeah <laughs> like hey man I'm sorry but I had to sing <laughs> what are you doing with that ow <laughs> 
So usually when he learned of a crime, that prompted him to take action, okay? He was literally like a Batman. Yeah, except the Batman that kills. He's more of a Deadpool. Yes, he is. He's very much a Deadpool. Yes. He is. And that's super Deadpoolish to make a YouTube video about all the shit you did. Yeah, he is. He's like the modern-day Deadpool, except he's a little excessive sometimes. And I'm sorry, my voice keeps going up. I apologize. So when driven by rage rather than thrill, he would occasionally capture criminals, usually uh, professional criminals and drug dealers, and, you know, just fucking torture them. Torture them to death. Yeah, just get rid of them. Yeah, you know, because... He sometimes modified his approach by following the path taken by his victims when they committed their own crimes, such as when he murdered his father or when he murdered seven people in one day. Yeah. Yikes. All I see is just freaking Scarface in my head. Every time like, I hear about the wedding day fiasco, I'm just like, oh, that's definitely a... Uh, I'm fucking reloaded. Like, yeah, scary. That wasn't on his wedding day. What are you talking about? No, it about? wasn't on his wedding day, but it's just kind of what it feels You're like. thinking of The Godfather. Is it The Godfather? You're confusing the two movies. Oh, I did. And by the way, Scarface, he was he was Cuban. He wasn't Italian. Oh, yeah. Two, 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 I mean, gangster movies, I mean, for sure. Yeah, they you were. Know, I'm just saying. Fucking scary mm. motherfuckers. Speaking of movies, and we'll move on to our next guy here. Um, but yeah, that, first of all, that's Killer Petey. And wow. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> wow. <laughs> wow. This guy is very intimidating. I wouldn't. Fuck with him ever. <laughs> I don't know. I haven't done that in a long time. And, uh, speaking of movies, though, I, uh, I finally got the chance to watch Morbius last night. Yeah? Yeah. I loved it. Yeah. Everyone. I, and dude, all, dude, people shit all over that movie. And for all the memers out there, did you enjoy it when he said it's Morbin time? Is what? Morbin time. No, I did not even hear him say that. No? No. Oh, man. Is that from the Power Rangers thing? Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a, it's a I did like when he was like, I'm Venom to the guy. Yeah. And the guy was like, ah. And he was like, ah, get the fuck out of here. <laughs> yeah. I, I thought it was great. I thought the, um, I, I wasn't a big fan of the uh, the villain in it. I yeah. liked his backstory. I feel like, because uh, that was a Sony movie, right? Yeah. I feel like that's the first Marvel movie that since like X-Men back in the day that Sony actually has done well. Because I hated Venom and Venom 2. Really? Oh my God. I didn't like Carnage, but I did like the, I liked Venom. Venom, uh, Venom. They made Venom sound like such a, just a, I don't know, Venom's supposed to be a badass dude. Yeah, and and they made him sound like, I don't know, just, you know, dumb. just wasn't there for me. Ava loves him though. She'll walk around the corner and be like, food. And I'm like, <laughs> okay. And then she'll lick her lips. I'm like, oh, okay. Well, you know what? It's good for kids though. It is yeah, a good yeah. kid movie. So if that's somebody, it, like a kid's. Advance into um, like Marvel and stuff yeah. like that, and knowing that character. But dude, they got to do like an R-rated badass Venom movie. Well, they also have to do an R-rated badass movie for a lot of those franchises, like Star Wars. Can you imagine a fucking horror movie set on Hoth? That'd be rad. Like a fucking R-rated horror movie. Why are we not doing that, Spielberg? What the what the fuck? <laughs> Seriously, why are we not? Why do we not have like a Star Wars esque horror movie? Yeah, like either Hoth doesn't on. need to be canon. Just fucking set the. Motherfuckers on a nice planet and get chased by the fucking doos. They should have, like, I don't know. Hold on, let me think here, dude. There was an entire the s- Rebel Alliance versus Predator. Oh god, that'd be fucking crazy. <laughs> <laughs> How awesome that would that be? Totally happen. That, I think it'd be amazing. That would be scary as shit. Yeah. Have you you seen the new Predator? By the way, the new the Prey movie. Whatever? Yeah, Prey. No, have you dude. seen it? Oh yeah, yeah, good. Oh, yeah, good. It's good. Is it? Is it's it good? Is it? Is it really good? It's good. Okay. It's not as good as, obviously, the first one with Arnold. Yeah. Well, it's not as one. good as my movie. No. Listen, this little girl, girly, girly, what's she doing? She's not a stud. <laughs> She's not a stud like me. <laughs> All right. Sorry for the tangent. So now, you guys are familiar. So how about we look at some other people here with kind of the same motifs, okay? 
Now, they may not have as extensive of rap sheets as Killer Petey, but these uh, people that we have here, and we're not, we're actually talking about, hmm, how do I put this? It's not just people. We're also, also talking about groups of people. Yeah. In fact, uh, we're going to talk about a town. Oh. That took it in their own hands. Is it? Uh, it okay. Yep. Okay. So they decided to make it known for, you know, taking justice in their own hands here when the justice system just did not seem to do what they needed to get done. And sometimes that happens, and sometimes you just got to sit there and you got to take it right to your culo. Because if not, then your ass is in jail. And remember that. But if you got nothing to lose, like we said, you know what I mean? So first, let's talk about Marianne uh, Bachmeyer. She was a struggling single mother who learned with horror that her daughter Anna, age seven years old, had died. The girl missed school on May 5th of 1980 and somehow ended up at the home of Klaus Grabowski, a 35-year-old butcher who lived next door. Already yikes. All this yikes. Later, a cardboard box containing Anna's remains were discovered on the side of a nearby canal. Grabowski was detained very quickly after his fiance called the police to report the incident since he already had a criminal record for child abuse. Good. I'm glad his fiance... Good good on her. Yeah. Seriously. A lot of these... You know, significant others are like, man, I got your back. I'll say you were here all day. (laughs) Until you find out the cops are like, no, he wasn't. You're right, he wasn't. (laughs) You're still going to prison. Oh, shit. (laughs) So Grabowski argued that he hadn't sexually molested the little girl before killing her, even after confessing to the crime. Oh, good on you, buddy. Instead, Grabowski made the uh, strange claim that the young girl had attempted to blackmail him by saying she would tell her mother he had had assaulted her if he didn't give her money. Grabowski further claimed that the primary motivation for his decision to kill the kid in the first place was the supposed blackmailing. I don't see too many seven-year-olds doing that. I'm not saying saying they, they couldn't and it's completely out of the realm. Yeah. But some kids develop a lot quicker and some kids are little shitheads. Yeah. You know what I mean? I'm yeah. just I'm just saying. Yeah. And by no means am I, you know, saying that the little girl, whatever. I'm just saying, like, if you put it in context, it is it possible? I guess, but man, it'd be rare as shit. At least for that age, yeah. You like, know what I mean? Was like a ten or twelve year old. Maybe. Yeah, because my granddaughter yeah. is seven. And I don't I could imagine her coming up and blackmailing me for anything other than like, I don't know, cookies. I don't even think she knows what blackmailing she is. She probably doesn't. No. Yeah. That's yeah, good. She's <laughs> she's gonna pull like a a fight club and be like, I want cookies. If not, and punch yourself in the eye. I'm going to tell daddy. <laughs> what was that movie with freaking, uh, what was it? Uh, uh, shit, what was that movie? It was with uh, Marky Mark dating that freaking, what's your call? What's it called? Uh, chick. And he was beating himself up or whatever on the, on the side of the road. Remember that movie? He's sitting there just like smacking the fuck out of his chest. Was that Marky Mark or was that Matt Damon? Am I getting the two confused? Matt Damon. No, that was Marky Are you Mark. talking about the one where he's like, let me in the house. Yeah. That guy. Oh, what the hell was that called? It was- uh, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, that's but the same true. thing happened in um um um. Oh, what was the other movie? Ted one. Oh, oh my god, we got to stop talking. About <laughs> we'll talk about movies later. <laughs> so the murder of Marianne Bachmeyer's daughter had already infuriated her. Right? She obviously was heartbroken and pissed. Yes. But when the murderer related this tale, saying, "Oh, by the way, she blackmailed me," she grew even more irritated and infuriated. She was determined to get retribution when the man was put on trial a year later. At Grabowski's 1981 trial in the Lubick District Court, uh, this is in Germany, by the way, folks, so you guys know, his defense claimed that since he had uh, been deliberately castrated for his crimes years earlier, what you doing to have that done, buddy? Yeah. So Germany does that? Yeah. Do they still do that, or did they just back then? 
I know a lot of places do like chemical castration. Isn't Florida trying to pass that, or did they pass it? I don't know if Florida. I don't, actually, I don't know. I don't. I wouldn't be surprised. Florida, you got some shit going on down there, dude. I don't Florida. Oh boy, you you got some shit. And we'll talk about a Florida man in here later. That that's fucking. Oh boy, yeah. So anyway, yeah, he was castrated earlier. All right. So they're basically saying that since the defense said, well, he was already castrated, he couldn't have sexually molested her. He had only committed the offense due to a hormone imbalance. Plus, since he had his his hoo-ha whacked off or yeah. his nuts or whatever, that his brain's all honky-donky. And they're like, that's what happened to him. It's the system's fault. <sighs> of course. <laughs> yeah, well, your defense attorneys do what they got to do. Right. Did you find it? Yeah, they stopped uh, chemical castration um, a few years ago in Germany. Germany did? Yeah. The third day of the trial was Bachmeier's breaking point. Okay, this is Mama Bachmeier here. She took and hid a 22 caliber Beretta handgun in her handbag, took it out in the courtroom, and fired eight shots at this piece of shit. Grabowski received six rounds of fire into him before passing away in a pool of his own blood on the courthouse floor. Bachmeier reportedly responded, quote, I wanted to kill him. And that's according to the judge. The judge heard her say that. Yeah, as she was getting pulled away from, like, the scene that's going on. Like, there was, like, a whole, like, recounting of everything that was going on. Now, okay, what do we what do we feel here? That's what I feel here. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry, not sorry. Yeah. Because even if you already admitted to killing her, not, oh, you didn't sex- sexually assault her or whatever, guess what? Fuck you. Yeah. Done. Done. I love, I love, I love Mama Bachmeier. Mm-hmm. I love her. Although it was evident from the several witnesses and Bachmeier's comments that it was indeed her who killed Grabowski, she was shortly placed on trial for the crime. She said, quote, he killed my daughter. I meant to shoot him in the face, but I shot him in the back. I hope he's dead. Go get him, Mom. Yeah, fucking tough-ass lines, too. Yep, with some celebrating Bachmeier as a hero and, of course, others denouncing her conduct, the, quote, revenge mother case swiftly gained notoriety in Germany. Before shooting Grabowski, Bachmeier said that the, uh, she saw visions of Anna in the trial and could no longer stand for him to uh, mis- misrepresent her and basically talk shit about her daughter. Yeah. She allegedly sold her story to Stern Magazine to pay her defense lawyers uh, $158,000. So she sold her story off in order to do that. In the end, the courts found Mama Bachmeier guilty in 1983 of deliberate manslaughter. For her vengeful act, she received a six-year prison term. Which... Okay, ain't that's not bad. Okay, for what it was six they, years? They chalked it up as manslaughter, like that is premeditated murder. You are not mentally in your right spot. Correct. There's no, no. fucking way you could no, be. There, there's not. So I can understand how they got it to go to manslaughter, uh, but there's also the and I, I hate that. There's no. always the flip of the coin though. Too, yeah. On that. Listen, it's six years. Take it, Mama. You'll be out and you'll probably be out and on good behavior for whatever if they do that. I don't know. I if don't Germany, know if or if Germany's like, no, <laughs> you should stay here forever. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how they do it. So yeah, that's that's Mama Bachmeier there, and and I want to know what you guys think. Of course, with each one of these, is it validated? Obviously, <laughs> the first one. <laughs> okay, we just wanted to start with that one because I mean it's pretty crazy. That was Let's just, just a be fucking honest. crazy Let's be honest. story. If you read that anywhere else, you would not have believed that it was a real thing. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. And honestly, I didn't at first. I was like, bullshit. And I went and looked up uh, the whole thing, and I'm like, oh, my God, this is real. With him, do you realize, like, that was the actual premise to Dexter? Like, the guy who heard about his story is the reason why Dexter was created. Yeah, I did hear that. Yeah. Like, it's crazy. That's pretty amazing. Dude, yeah, that guy is just fucking nuts. 
Ooh. Oh, was ist das? Ooh. I say was ist das, because we talk about Germany and then I have a October Lager Fest Ooh. Lager. I didn't say it right. <laughs> it's Gusfak Gusfa. I don't even know if I'm pronouncing that. Whatever, I'm drinking beer. Gusfaba. It's from Fatheads here in Cleveland. You guys get a chance to try it. It's pretty good for Oktoberfest. Oh, I like Gusfa. Gusfaba. Oh, I oh, got is that it. What it is? That's got to be it. Oh, okay. It's got to be it. I actually, um, I like a good. Uh, Oktoberfest, a good Marzen. Yeah, 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 it's pretty awesome. Yeah. Um, anyway, I'm not going to go in talking about beer. We're talking about enough shit. <laughs> so now, this one, okay, this one is uh, it's weird. This guy's last name is literally the last name of my stepdad. Oh, my second stepdad. Oh, who was an atrocious human being. Oh, yes, and if I'm not mistaken, he's actually on a uh, a list. Oh, yeah. You never had a chance to meet him, and you're lucky for that. Anyway, so every time I read this, I'm like, motherfucker. You know what I mean? <laughs> Just reading his name, like, oh, I hate you. Anyway, I don't know why I had to talk about that. Because you know what? I'm an open book, folks. That's it. I'm an open book. Yeah. I'll tell you everything you want to know. Yeah. I will. That's what, that's, that's, you listen to the show. Yeah. That's the least I can do. That is, yes. <laughs> you're like, that is the least you could do. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so unlike other real-life vigilantes, Jason Vukovic's search for justice began years before he set out to pursue it. Vukovic, born to a single mother in Anchorage, Alaska, on June 25th, 1975, was quickly adopted by his mother's new husband, Larry Fulton. Mm. Oh, Larry. Oh, Larry. Oh, Larry. Well, of course, Larry seemed devout in public, you know, like he's a good dude. But in reality, he actually molested little Jason during his nightly, quote, prayer sessions. Fuck you, dude. Larry. Fucking Larry. So Vukovic and his brother, so Jason and his brother, were often beaten with belts and pieces of wood in addition to sexual torture. And to make things even worse, Fulton got away with all of these offenses, which, of course, infuriated Jason Vukovic. As a result, Vukovic, who fled terrified, he left home at 16. Hey, that's when I left. Spent years getting by on narcotics and small-time thievery. You know, you came from a shitty home and you fucking dipped out because shit's bad. You do what you got to do, right? He's not murdering anyone. You know what I mean? Small-time thievery, narcotics, not a big fan of that. Some some say it should be legal, whatever. We're not going to get into that either. Just saying, it could be worse. It definitely could be. Right. He decided to uh, return to Alaska in 2008, uh, but he he actually desired to... uh, Seek revenge on uh, pedophiles, just like old stepdad Larry. Ah. Yeah, and uh, that uh, that that whole thing didn't go away from the time he was 16 all the way up until 2008. Mm. It culminated in 2016, however. Vukovic started by browsing the neighborhood sex offenders list. And by the way, you can look online and anywhere around you, you can actually look up sex offenders in your neighborhood. Yep. You can do that. And to be honest, I suggest you do. Yeah. Truthfully, it I is. do. I, I believe you should do that. And listen... I know a lot of people are falsely convicted or falsely accused and yada, 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 but it's good to know. Yeah, especially okay? if your kid walks to and from school. Correct. That's yeah, if you, especially if you have children. Yes. yes. So just saying. <laughs> okay, so, uh, you know, he's looking through the uh, the sex offenders list, and then he uh, attacked and stole from three of the guys on the list as the, the last act here. So he actually went after them. In June 2016, Vukovic went after the three guys, um, Targeting Albie, this guy Albie first, and I'll talk about him. His name's Charles Albie. He drove to the residences uh, residences of Andres Barbosa, Charles Albie, and Wesley Demarest. Then on the morning of June 24th, 
Jason Vukovic broke into the man's house and smacked the 68-year-old <laughs> the 68-year-old man before robbing him and fleeing. Just smacked him. <laughs> That's justice. <laughs> Just break into some dude's home and backhand him. I have the power. Where's yeah. my get baby powder? Yeah, exactly. Just pimp smacked the shit out of him. Disrespect him. To man. the point where like he just knocked the taste out of his mouth. <laughs> just pop. fucking dentures go flying. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> that see, that's justice. I like yeah. that. Two days later, he approached Barbosa in a very identical manner. However, he arrived at the door at 4 a.m. this time. He assaulted Barbosa with a punch to the face, stole the dude's truck, and fled the scene with two female accomplices and a hammer. Hmm. Demarest was instructed to get on his knees as Vukovic struck him in the fucking face with said hammer. Escalation? Yeah. A little bit. A little bit. Vukovic claimed, quote, I am an angel of vengeance. I'm going to administer justice to those you injured. This is him talking to Demarest here, mm. who is a sex offender and pedophile. And mm. Shortly after, the hammer, stolen items, and a notepad with the names of the people in it uh, were all discovered by police on Jason Vukovic, who was hiding in a nearby car. As a result, 18 charges of assault, robbery, burglary, and theft were brought up against him, and he ended up taking a plea deal. According to all that re- all, all that's interesting, I almost said all that remains.com. <laughs> I almost said that. <laughs> no, all that's interesting.com. In 2018, Jason Vukovic was sentenced to 28 years in prison, after which the judge stated that, quote, vigilantism, vi- vigilantism, vigilantism, vigil, vigilantism, vigilantism. I like that one. <laughs> the emphasis is on the wrong syllable. <laughs> and, vigilantism won't be accepted in our society. Jason Vukovic has since expressed regret for his actions and urged others in his position not to follow in his footsteps, just like Killer Petey. Yep. Quote, I began my life sentence many, many years ago. It was handed down to me by an ignorant, hateful, poor substitute for a father. I now, I now face losing most of the rest of my life due to a decision to lash out at people like him. To all those who have suffered like I have, love yourself and those around you. This is truly the only way forward. Okay, so he didn't, didn't kill anybody. He did not. But he had a rough shake of it, dude. Yeah. All right? Like, rough shake of it. And there's a lot of... Uh, a thought that pedophile should be instantly put to death. Yeah. I mean, there is. And I'll discuss my feelings later. <laughs> Couldn't have said it better. Okay. I'm just saying there's 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 a there's a, a, a rule of thought out there. There's thought out there of that. Anyway. All right. So we're pretty sure you guys have already heard this story before. Um, and you can actually watch the video of it and you can find it as well. Yep. But it definitely fits the uh, the whole narrative that we have going on right here. Correct. Okay. Very, very much so. Jeff uh, Duquette. I want to say that's his name. I believe so. A 25-year-old karate teacher in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, enjoyed the total confidence of his young pupils and their parents, as you should. They should look up to you because you are a person of power yeah. and you're an adult, right? And you're teaching kids. Right. Yeah. But on February 19th, 1984, when Duquette took uh, Jody Plochet, then only 11 years old, for what was intended to be a 15-minute automobile journey in his car here, that confidence was horribly betrayed. When their son didn't come home that day, Gary and June Plochet became, you know, pretty fucking concerned, obviously. Duquette had taken their small boy hostage and was transporting him to the West Coast. Mm-hmm. Before booking a, a room at a hotel in Anaheim, California, Duquette shaved his beard and colored Jody's hair to ward off suspicion. So he straight up kidnapped this kid. Mm-hmm. 
The 11-year-old youngster was repeatedly assaulted there by Duquette until he eventually gave Jody permission to phone his parents. Jody was returned to his family after the police quickly tracked down the call and apprehended Duquette. In the meantime, Gary Plachet, Jody's father, traveled to the Baton Rouge airport to meet Duquette at arrivals uh, from the airport with the police. And, uh, well, he had an idea. He had an idea. Yeah. Well, as, uh, you know, he... As Duquette was kind of walking down with, uh, you know, an armed escort with him or whatever, uh, Plachet, the dad here, drew a 38 pistol from his boot on March 16th, 1984. And as soon as he spotted Duquette, you know, he <laughs> he let him have it. Yeah. Yeah, he, he was actually talking to a friend on the, uh, the other end of the payphone while waiting for Duquette to show up, even saying, quote, look out, he's coming. And then there was a shot heard. The shot was recorded on tape since television cameras were actually filming. And you can if you want to be a little dark bastards. If you want to check this out, it's available anywhere if you don't know, but it is. Yeah, I've seen this video. It's not like super bloody or anything. It's not. It's not because the 22, it's a 22. It's a 38. Or did he use a 38 or a 22? Yeah, he used a 38. Oh, it still didn't. There was no, like, no blood spatter or anything like that. Did you that. see the end of the video when the when they rolled them over. Oh yeah, but you normally don't get to see most of that. Oh, I saw the whole video. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah I've seen yeah, that too, yeah, yeah, but I'm yeah. saying typically they just show right, like, right up until it happens right and, they, it and happens. they catch the guy. Yeah. 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 Oh boy. Yeah. So, yeah. oh Papa Plaché here had murdered the abuser of his child, shooting a hollow point bullet, which that'll do it, into Duquette's head from 3 feet away. Dude, dude, dude. <laughs> do it twice. Oh man. Later he was put on trial for murder, but the judge sitting on the opposing side of the courtroom was lenient. As a result, Papa Plaché was shortly released after receiving a sentence of seven years with a suspended term, five years of probation, and 300 hours of community service. I mean, I'm sorry, but... Yeah. And good on the judge, too. Yeah. I mean, should you be punished? Yeah, you should. Mm-hmm. Like, that 300 hours of community service is going to suck. <laughs> yep. <laughs> but, you know what I mean? Like, you should be punished for it. But the dude, again, you're a parent. You know what I mean? Like yeah. you're you're emotionally you are gutted. Yeah. You're fucking gutted. You know? So I don't know. Good on the judge for that one. Jody Plache, on the other hand, uh, this is mom, right? No, this is the the, the kid that was uh, Oh, this is the kid, I'm yeah, sorry. Yeah, yeah, this is the, the, the youngster. Uh he actually took a while to actually understand all the trauma that actually took place, you know, while he was a kid. Quote, I was outraged with my father or wait with what my father did after the incident, he said. Quote, I did not want Jeff killed. I felt like he was going to jail, and that was enough for me. Then he continues on by saying, quote, but my parents, they didn't force me into recovery. They kind of let me recover at my own pace, and it took a while. But I was able to work through it and eventually accept my dad back into my life. Jody eventually turned his experience into a book titled Why Gary Why. So there's the book out there if you guys want to check it out. Yeah. and Yeah. What? I I understand a little bit on, like, the kids portion of it because, like, it could have been worse. You know what I mean? Not only that, though, but if this guy was somebody he looked up to and it was familiarized to him right. and it was made to be, I mean, I, God, I can't remember what the, the, the one the one kid's name, um, Stephen, Stephen Stainer. Okay. I don't know if you know the story or not. Doesn't sound familiar. Uh, Stephen Stainer was abducted back in the 80s. Okay. And basically was, like, kept to be, like, uh, they treated him like he was supposed to be there like they were boyfriends and stuff huh. and the guy and i can't remember the fucking guy's name he was a piece of shit um basically the only re- his parents looked for him forever it was all over the news there's a huge conspiracy behind that too maybe we'll do a bonus on steven stainer one of these days okay um there's a huge conspiracy behind it where her, his mom thinks that like you know the uh the illuminati and all that shit fucking 
took him and there was a a, a sex ring oh, done by like high level politicians and shit like that. Wow. Um, but he, the guy, once the kid Stephen got old enough, mm-hmm. um, the guy went after a, a younger kid. Oh. Well, Stephen saw that and was like, "I'm not going to let this happen." So he actually took that kid and ran away with the kid, and they ended up popping that dude. Oh, wow. Yeah, the, the guy that was and I fuck, I can't remember his damn name. However, weird twist on this, and we're totally going to do an episode on or a bonus on this. Um, his brother, Stephen mm-hmm. Stainer's brother, was all fucked up and fucked out over his uh, his brother being, you know, molested and kidnapped and all this shit. He became a serial killer. Oh shit. Yeah. Yeah, it's fucked. It's a great story. Maybe we'll, we'll, we'll do that. Uh, maybe next week for next week's bonus. Yeah, we'll do that. We'll do the Steven Stanner story. Okay. It's fucked up. That's crazy. Yeah. So anyway, what happens is, is that sometimes it's that uh, what do they call that? The uh, the it's uh, the bird, the bird effect. I forget the what, bird effect. I know, not not it's the bird like effect. The white the, the 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 knight in shining armor effect. What is, is, is it? It's not Hemingway. <laughs> What is the bird? Oh my! There's a bird, and that's the name of it. Where you uh, the effect you get when you're you, captive? Yeah, you become connected to your abductors. The rop and something. No. Nope, it's not nope. rop. Nope, Blue. doesn't stop. Nope, nope. 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 not not that eagle. Nope, nope. Damn, I don't know. It's I'll think of it while we're going through this. <gasps> so anyway, yeah. So again, talking about him, the, the kid, he may have had this, you know, kind of connection to the guy, and if he's going to jail because he knew he was wrong doesn't necessarily mean he wants him to fucking die right you know what i mean nightingale nightingale yeah i think that's what it is that's nightingale it. i think that's i think that's what it is that's did a, you find it yeah that's what exactly what it is literally as you said that it popped up and i was like no. yeah nightingale nightingale yeah yeah so basically like somebody's abducted and they, they, they start humanizing and that's the thing too they tell you to humanize with the, your abductor if you're ever abducted you should and we're going to do an episode we talked about this mm. an episode on on how to um basically smart decisions to make if if some bullshit happens to you whether it's being abducted, mm-hmm. held at gunpoint, mm-hmm. uh, kidnapped, anything. Well, kidnapped and abducted is kind of the same thing, but yeah. But you know what I'm saying? Like we wanna we wanna kind of go through that. But they say you're supposed to kind of like be super uh, like em- empathetic yeah. to your abductor, so they look at you as not just someone they're it's trying to whatever. Reverse Nightingale syndrome. Correct. Yeah. They tell you to do that stuff. Like talk about your kids, talk about your life, talk about everything. You know what I mean? I don't know. This is what psychologists say. I'm not a psychologist. I just drink a lot. I couldn't be a psychologist. I could. That's what I wanted to do forever. I did too, and then I saw the other side of that, and I don't ever want to be a psychologist. Oh, I would love to. Absolutely. Yeah. Get into the minds of... That's why I do shit like this. Is why I'm involved in like all oh, this true crime shit is because it's all about the psychology. Well, that's what I mean, though. Like you, You're around all the time, so then you just start seeing it, and things you shouldn't really facilitate that oh, dude i see it now with people i have this yeah. sixth sense where uh it's so funny and god i know we're going <laughs> you guys know how we do this but even my wife she knows that if i have a feeling about somebody just by reading their language yeah reading their body language and how they you know hold themselves and and, and and carry themselves or whatever i can tell you if that guy or, or girl is going to be trouble or a piece of shit yep. and dude i am like spot the fuck on with it mm-hmm. spot on mm-hmm. every time i look in the mirror baby <laughs> hey i'm just kidding i'm awesome um <laughs> all right so next up um this is this is kind of a weird one and this is kind of goes along the lines of the killer pd thing yeah you know mm-hmm. where these last the last ones here those were kind of like okay we get it yeah you know, we get it. A child was taken, and right. the parents went after him. Right? This right. one's a little bit different. This is uh, Tatiana uh, Coppage, and this happened just a few years ago. Mm-hmm. I believe it was in 2018. 
Uh, Tatiana is a uh, woman from Kansas City, Missouri. She was known as a strong woman who tried to help and lead her family as a young adult. Okay, Family was very important to her. She was only 21 when she lost her brother, and it wasn't the first loss her family had to come to terms with. Her family was extended to several younger brothers with different last names who, you know, she cared about, you know, equally and passionately. Right. Lots of siblings. You know, you know what it's like. I mean, you've got tons of siblings. You know, you get it. So the brother she lost was Jason uh, Ugwa Jr. He was a 16-year-old high school student who loved basketball and rap. He was a bright, cheerful kid, despite knowing personal tragedies from mere years beforehand. Unfortunately, he was gunned down in public on January 10th of 2018, I do believe, while walking with some of his friends. A car came up, opened fire, and then sped away. What provoked the incident? Nobody really knows. They're not really sure. The only solid fact was that Jason Jr. was the primary victim. Now, Tatiana and Jason both endured a shocking loss in 2016, okay, just a couple years earlier, when a drive-by shooting claimed the lives of her young brother, Jaden Ugwa, and her younger cousin, Montel Ross. The boys were just nine and eight years old, respectively, at the time of their death. Jason was present for the shooting and held his little brother, Jaden, as he faded and died from the bullet wounds. Fuck. Yeah, that's fucking Ugh. And the killer was never found. Of course. Tatiana was only 16 when the incident occurred, leaving her mentally scarred. Like, she was immediately... Not only did it fuck her up in, like, that kind of, uh... Like that, I mean, mentally, whatever, but it also made her become way more um, uh, protective of her family. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. So a few days before the killing of of Lars, and you'll find out who Lars is is soon, Coppage posted a tribute to her brother on Facebook. So this is right before. So basically Lars, and we'll talk about him, not Lars Ulrich either. That'd be weird if Lars Ulrich was the killer, but it wouldn't surprise me. Anyway, um, just before, a few days before she went and took care of him, Mm. You'll find out she actually posted something, a tribute to her brother on Facebook, and the post read, quote, I tried to shield y'all from everything I had to witness as a kid. I supported anything and everything you wanted to do in life. I tried to give you the best so you wouldn't have to look for fake love in the streets. She wrote, uh, that was in January of 11th here, and it says, uh, quote, I worked hard and long hours to keep a roof over y'all's head, nice clothes and shoes on y'all feet, refrigerator full of groceries, the streets didn't rise, y'all. I did this shit ten toes down. I was at those games as much as I could. I was paying for your studio time, for your trips, no matter the cost. All I wanted is to see you happy, finish school, and make it to the top. But somehow, I still failed you. This wasn't you, Jason. You were sweet, so uh, so quite an honorable young man. Why didn't you just hear me out? I only wanted more time with you. That's all. So this is days before. You can kind of see where her mental state yeah. is. Okay, she's hurt. Yeah. She's lost two siblings, a little cousin, her brother, close as shit to her. And she was taking care of the family, dude. Right. You know what I mean? Like a 21-year-old girl who's been doing this since she was like 16, 18, whatever it is. That's a lot, man. You know? So the object of Tatiana's vengeance, this is that guy I was talking about, was Keith Lars. Just two days after her brother's death and burial, she gathered as much evidence as possible to just confirm and identify uh, uh, her brother's murderer. Gotcha. Okay. She traced him as the car owner that carried the gunman who killed her brother and armed herself before they met. Well, Lars didn't go down without a fight. Oh. They ended up exchanging gunfire, but Tatiana came al- uh, came out alive 
and left Lars dead in his car in the parking lot in the city's northeast section. Court records state that Lars was found in the back of a Toyota near Virginia Avenue and Admiral Boulevard in Kansas City on January 13th, with officers determining that the shooting had occurred close to the 500 block of Benton Boulevard. So if you guys are from the KC area, you might know where that's at. Gotcha. At the scene, police found 23 shell casings from two types of bullets. Eight were 45 caliber, and 15 were nines. Wow. Yeah. Was Tatiana just an ordinary woman pushed beyond the brink to perform such a murderous act? Was she, was she again, talking about the ones we talked about earlier? That hurt, that pain. Yeah. You know what I mean? She had already seen injustice win with the still unsolved deaths of her young siblings, and she didn't have enough trust in the system to properly avenge her brother's death. Well, I mean, yeah, you just had three of your brothers? Two. Well, all it was a cousin and two brothers. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, that's just, that's crazy. Right. She assumed the guilt of Lars, okay? She's like, he's guilty, and got in contact with someone called Auntie. They're not sure if it's an actual aunt or not, right. to arm herself with a forty-five pistol, saying, I use too many on bro. Meaning maybe she may have popped somebody else? Mm. They're not sure. The fact that multiple gunshots were fired proved she was an amateur with a firearm. So they it was spray and spray. Yeah. You know what I mean? Thanks to witnesses who came forward and surveillance footage in the parking lot where the murder took place, authorities quickly identified Tatiana. They arrested her for the murder, booking her into Jackson County Jail on a $200,000 bond. Wow. Evidence was quickly collected against Coppage, or Tatiana, and she did not deny the charges. Okay? She didn't. She insisted that she got justice for her dead brother, even going as far as to text his cell phone, her brother's cell phone. Heartache. Mm. Think about this. She knows he's gone. Yeah. To assure him that she was sending his killer to him. At that, uh, at the time, no formal evidence was collected or investigations um, were pending towards you know Lars as the subject, though he was armed and did drive the same or very similar truck seen at Jason's murder scene. Now, listen, if somebody's got their, if you're in the streets and you're around the shit, you probably can get more uh, quicker information and more information yeah. than the police because they don't want to fucking talk to the police. Nope. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like they nobody wants to talk to the fucking cops. Nope. You know what I mean? Especially when you're like in, inner city kind of area shit, dude. Right. Like you're you're fucking disparaged all the fucking time. Not only that, but again, I have two young a brother and a and a, and a nephew or yeah, a cousin, sorry, mm. that you guys don't even know anything. You're not doing anything about. Right. So guess what? I'm going to. Okay? Yeah. All right. She admitted during questioning that she knew Lars would be in the parking lot when she shot him. However, Tatiana initially claimed that the murder was accidental and that she only shot him in self-defense because he fired his weapon at her first. Okay, so it kind of flip-flops back and forth. Tatiana was spurred toward Lars by members of her community who seemed to indicate a shared but hushed knowledge of events that led to her brother's deaths. In other words, people talked, man. Yeah. I mean, they told her what was going on. They were like, don't, 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 I didn't say it. (laughs) But if I did say it, that's him. (laughs) right right so the police weren't able to corroborate as much in their reporting so all anyone seemed to know was that lars may as well have been guilty and could have had his own criminal history so the guy was he was kind of a thug around the neighborhood or whatever therefore the extended family of the community assisted uh tatiana's vigilante act you know she grew up around here so she basically there is live by the sword die by the sword right 
Uh, Tatiana does not deny what she did or why and is charged with second-degree murder, which is murder without premeditation or planning. And you guys know what that is, obviously. First-degree murder is usually premeditated. Second-degree means that it's spur-of-the-moment kind right. of thing. Which is weird to me, though. Hold on, we'll talk about it. Mm-hmm. By her admission, she fired her gun at the vehicle with Lars in it, but she claimed that he fired first and her weapon was meant for protection. She was celebratory over his death, okay, particularly over vengeance, meaning she went there assuming he was guilty and was armed to act. That seems premeditated. Yeah, a little bit. In my my opinion. I mean, I mean it is premeditated, but in the same sense, I, I, I don't know. It's weird. I mean, if you're going there looking for a fight, you're going to prepare yourself for said fight. So, I mean, obviously. That would be premeditated. Right. Then, right? Yeah. You're, you're, you're premeditating. <laughs> you're before. You're meditating beforehand. Is that? Is that, is that I don't think that's no. what that means. Oh. No. So, uh, Tatiana contacted Lars before the meeting to tell him she was coming to ask questions. Because initially, I guess there was some beef going on between her dad and, and Lars. And she was supposedly going to squash the beef. Hmm. That's premeditated. You're drawing somebody out. Yep. Now, now hold on. Could she have taken it with her just as protection? Possible. Could things have got heated? Possible. Mm-hmm. Could she have just pulled the gun out and freaking started shooting his ass? Very possible. Yeah. Okay. She claimed to call him to try and settle, again, differences between him and her father, knowing that if she didn't take action, that her dad would. Right. So, again, remember what I said earlier that she actually texted her brother after Lars was killed. The message she sent to her brother's phone read, quote, I owe him that body. She actually used the N word, so I'm not gonna. I didn't put that in here because I feel that wasn't necessary. Gotcha. <laughs> I'm just saying, according to an affidavit. So this message and the one sent to Auntie led authorities to file murder charges. Okay, here's a weird little part to this. Rap artist Da Baby and 42 Doug made public posts on Instagram voicing solidarity uh, for her and have reached out to pay twenty thousand dollars each of her bond as support. Wow. Yeah. She is actually in jail right now and currently awaiting trial. Hmm. So when we find out what happens, we'll, we'll let you guys know. Again, there's a, there's a lot to it. Yeah, it doesn't seem as cut and dry as the other. You know, the other two. So who yeah. who knows? So now Jorge Porto Sierra. Okay. All right. So uh, here we have someone that technically didn't kill anyone, but that definitely wasn't for lack of trying. When authorities responded to the scene at the Friendly Village Inn and Motel on U.S. Route 192 in Florida in 2018, another 2018, witnesses recalled seeing uh, Jorge shout, quote, I'm going to kill you, child molester, as he drenched the property in gasoline with a (laughs) cigarette in his hand. Oh. Yeah. Porto Sierra then returned to the parking lot and attacked two individuals sitting in their car. After that, he rammed his Ford Focus into their vehicle and poured gasoline into it through an open window. Just as Porta Sierra was prepared, uh, getting ready to set the fire on, um, you know, in the car, police arrived on the scene. He was quickly surrounded and told to surrender. Wow. So the 50-year-old Porta Sierra admitted that he had planned to, quote, barbecue all the child molesters on fire and kill them. However, when police asked him why he didn't, Porta Sierra claimed that the police had just arrived too fast for him to do so. <laughs> okay. You don't hear that very often. No. <laughs> <laughs> but that's what he said, too. He was like, you guys got here too quick. Damn. He was like, I was straight up going to do it. So authorities soon discovered that at least two, and this is kind of fucked up, two, uh, at least two of the men uh, Porta Sierra targeted were indeed convicted sex offenders. One man had been standing outside his room when Porta Sierra le- uh, leapt out of his car and launched into a tirade, obviously making him rush back inside his room like, oh, shit. Right. 
Quote, they raped kids. They are all child molesters uh, that all live here and deserve to die, Portisero later said as he justified his actions to the police. Okay, this is kind of fucking weird. While the friendly village inn and motel is indeed a popular place for convicted sex offenders because it's far away from schools and playgrounds, and at least two of Portisero's targets were known sex offenders, the real-life vigilante still broke the law and thus found himself arrested for his actions. And from what I read... At any given time, there's between 7 to 12, maybe 15 convicted sex offenders living in that house or that hotel. That's crazy. Yeah. As of 2020, Porto Sierra is being held on no bond at the um, Asialo. I think it's Asialo. Asialo? Asiola? Asialo. Anyway, that county jail and charged with four uh, counts of attempted murder. And that's our uh, Florida man I was talking about earlier. Got you. Yeah. So now let's talk about Andre Bamberski. Yeah. Sounds like Soda Popinski. Do you know who Soda Popinski is? Mm. You ever play Mike Tyson's Punch Out? Mm-mm. God, I am old. Never mind. Yeah, that's like that was like on like the arcade machines, wasn't it? No, that was on Nintendo. It was the original. Oh, uh, original talking. NES. Yeah, see, my, my original NES was a Super Nintendo. And my first game on that was Mario. How super was it? It was pretty super. All right, so Andrzej Bombarski was born to Polish immigrants in France in the 1930s. He was in the thick of the war that affected him growing up. Later, Andre became a chartered accountant and married Danielle Gonin. Danielle. He's got a little, 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 little doohickey over the E. A little doohickey. So is that like Dan, 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 Danielle? Danielle. Danielle. Danny. No, there's an I there, though. Uh, usually when it does that, the E is like, it's a short E, isn't it? So it's like, <laughs> in it. <laughs> <laughs> in it. <laughs> Danielle? Is it Danielle? We're going to say Danielle. Yeah. So whatever. Fine. All right. And they had two kids together. However, at the time of the uh, the incident here, all right, we'll talk about, Andre and Danielle were actually divorced, and the latter was married to Dieter Krombach, a doctor in Lindau, Germany. Interesting. Yes. Okay. So Danielle initially told Andre that Dieter believed Kalinka, this is their daughter, died due to a heat stroke or the effects of a concussion from a few years prior. Mm. However, Andre wasn't so sure. Dieter had stated that on the morning of Kalinka's death, he had found her in her bed, unresponsive, and rigor mortis had already set in. However, Dieter tried to revive her by injecting her with a nervous system stimulant and two other stimulants, but that didn't work, and Kalinka was dead. The autopsy report read by Andre, okay, later showed that Kalinka had blood around her, sorry folks, her torn vagina. Mm. Inside, there was a whitish substance that was never tested. uh, Besides injection marks on her arms, okay, because remember the doctor said he gave her some stuff, Mm -hmm. Kalinka had undigested food in her stomach. Experts later believe she died from asphyxiation from regurgitating her own food. All of this left Andre with only one theory. Dieter, Dr. Dieter, was responsible for the death. Mm. Andre believed Dieter raped and then killed Kalinka with an injection, possibly to keep her from talking about it. While the German prosecution closed the case, saying Kalinka died of natural causes, Andre didn't give up, following Dieter across Europe for years to bring him to justice. About a year after Kalinka's death, Andre went to Lindau handing out flyers accusing Dieter of murder. So wherever this dude went, he had he was like telling everyone he's a fucking murderer. Wow. Yeah. He was arrested and then fined and sentenced in absentia. Sentenced in absentia? So he wasn't there, so they sentenced him. Ah. He was absent. So, so he was sentenced, but wasn't there to correct. be Correct. 
He's like, guess what? You're fucked if you ever come back, buddy. <laughs> guess what? I'm not coming back. <laughs> How's that? Is that how that works over there? Yeah, I don't know. Or- However, they didn't stop Andre. He then prodded the uh, French authorities, eventually leading to Kalinka's body's exhumation. She was a French citizen. Okay. This time, it was revealed that her genitals had been missing since the autopsy, and there was no trace of them. Andre's work paid off when a French court convicted Dieter in absentia of violence, bringing on death without intention to do so, and sentenced him to 15 years. But with Germany refusing extradition, Dieter essentially remained a free man for many years. In other words, yeah, like you could be charged and convicted, mm-hmm. but if there's no extradition, they're not gonna, and not going to bring you back. Right. You can pretty much live the rest of your life and not go to prison. Just don't cross those lines. Just don't go back over. Yeah. But uh, again, they didn't, you know, extradite him or whatever. Then in 1997, Dieter was convicted. Uh, Dieter, the doctor Dieter here, was convicted of raping a 16-year-old in his clinic. He received a two-year suspended sentence in addition to his license being revoked. Two years. Two years. Mm. Fuck you, buddy. But a couple of years later, Dieter moved around and worked in several clinics by providing a photocopy of his license as proof. Okay, so he had his license revoked, but he had a photocopy of it. Mm. Dieter sounds like a dickhead. Yeah, a little bit. However, Andre didn't give up, even hiring private detectives to find out what Dieter was up to. He said, quote, All my friends and family, including my father, told me to quit it at some po- at this point. They said, you're not going to achieve anything, but I'm a Slav. Slav. You know, yeah. Slav. From, yeah. from, from, from Slavonia. Slovenia? Slovenia. Slovenia. It's the, the dancer, isn't it? That's his mom. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> uh, and, and the Slavs are very emotional. I cried all the time when I thought about Kalinka. It was a question for me of moral duty. That was the most important thing, to get the truth. While Dieter received a 26-month prison sentence, he was released early, and Andre learned he was back to work yet again. Andre then resolved to bring Dieter to France in any way possible. He was in Bregenz, Austria, hoping to look for more information about Dieter in uh, Scheidegg, Germany. Andre uh, talked about kidnapping Dieter and eventually heard from uh, Anton Krasnicki, who agreed to help him. So now they're going to kidnap the guy and bring him back so he can be... Yeah. Okay. So in October of 2009, Dieter was taken from his house by Anton and two other accomplices and left outside a building in Mulhouse, France, paving the way for Dieter's trial. Okay. While Dieter's pattern of drugging and raping women came to light, he was sentenced to 15 years behind bars. As for Andre, he admitted to knowing about the kidnapping plot, but insisted he was not involved in the actual act. In June 2014, he was found guilty of ordering the kidnap and received a one-year suspended sentence. In the end, Andre was happy with the result. He believed that he had kept his promise to Kalinka about giving her justice. Regarding why Dieter would kill Kalinka, Andre said, quote, Kalinka had asked to move back to Toulouse and to no longer stay with Krombach. She was about to escape from him. That could have been a motive, but one will never know. One can never know. Andre quit his full-time job in 1999 to dedicate himself to bringing Dieter to justice. Damn. I gave up his fucking job to go after this dude. That's crazy. Through it all, he was supported by his partner, also called Danielle, <laughs> which is odd, for several years. Now in his 80s, Andre seems to live in Toulouse, um, uh, France, and enjoying some much-needed time off. Yeah. How crazy. You know what that is? That's when uh, Batman... I was about to say the same thing when Batman brought over the, the, the what was it, the, the Asian dude that the was Asian holding dude. All, yeah, the, yeah. all the money or whatever. Yeah, yeah. That's all of these But that's the real-life shit. That's crazy. Isn't that crazy? And again, there was no murder in that one. Oh, I mean, obviously, other than that of the girl, which is deplorable in so many facets. But yeah, it's just gross. 
Um, so this one's really fucked up, by the way. Okay, well, I'm going to need to beer for that one. Yeah, this was like a deep dive that, hey, man, it had me scratching my damn head for a minute. So Dra- uh, I want to say his name's Drasius Kedis was born on September 4th, 1972 in Garliava, Lithuania. He and his former girlfriend, oh, man, Laimute Stankanuyete. Oh, boy, I'm so sorry. <laughs> what, I mean, what does that look like to you? Stankanuyete. Yeah, that was what you said, yeah? Yeah. Stankanuyete. Yeah. Stank, stank, whatever. Okay, I'm sorry. We're just going to call her Lamute. They had a daughter in February of 2004. Okay. Oh, man, all they're going to do is put the last name, too. <laughs> uh, Lamute was uh, underage when she gave birth to Cadiz's daughter. Kind of fucked up. All right, we'll okay. just say that. That's a little creepy and gross. The couple split in 2006, and the parents got embroiled in a huge custody battle. His former girlfriend, with the help of Andreas Usas, remember that name, a politician and advisor to the former speaker of the Saimas Victorias um, uh, <laughs> Montanias, no idea what that is, obtained custody in November of 2006. Okay? <clears throat> so, got, they got custody. Gotcha. Cadiz had visitation rights every other weekend, which sucks. But later, um, Stankonate, Stank, we're going to call him Stanky, gave up her custody rights, giving them to the father. Okay? So, he ended up getting custody rights because the mom gave up Gotcha. The rights, okay? Makes sense. So on November 29, 2008, Kedis submitted a formal complaint to the police claiming Usas paid Stanky to sexually molest his daughter. Oh. Okay. Now, as we get into this, could this be a begrudging ex-husband who is just... You'll, you'll just, just keep that in mind as we go through this. In December 2008, Kedis obtained full custody of his daughter with no visitation rights for Stanky. The courts repeatedly confirmed that Stanky had no case to answer, thus dismissing Kedis' allegations against her former girlfriend as unsubstantiated. So, in other words, the court was like, you can say it all day long, Mm -hmm. but if you don't have any proof, you know what I mean? Makes sense. Nevertheless, the pretrial investigation against Usas continued. In February 2009, Kedis further pressed accusations against Violetta. Oh, my God. Look at this. Are you seeing that? Narostovicnini. That'll work. Okay. That's Stanky's sister. Of course, you both have the same freaking weird-ass names. <laughs> Damn it. No offense. Sorry. <laughs> Claiming the former had participated in allowing men to molest her four-year-old daughter. Okay, so they're saying it's like a family affair here. Wow. Finally, in July of 2009, Kedis accused Jonas uh, Fermanavicius. Uh, yeah. Fermanavicius. Wow, that's a good one who was a district judge and an individual known as Idas of partaking in the molestation. So in other words, he was a part of it. So now he's saying this judge is a part of this whole thing. All those people, except for Idas, professed their innocence and accused Kedis of slander, criminal libel, and death threats. Kedis was frustrated with the apparent lack of progress in official investigations and convinced that the case was being deliberately stonewalled. So this is super fucked up. He sent out 200 DVDs, and for those of you that don't know what that is, it was a little disc you can actually watch movies on back in the day. Come on now. (laughs) He sent 200 DVDs to Lithuanian politicians, media outlets, and law enforcement agencies featuring a homemade video footage of his daughter's explicit testimony against three, quote, uncles. Yeah. Okay. So 200 DVDs going out to all these politicians and so on and so forth with a little girl stating that her quote-unquote uncles molested her. Mm. 
In addition, he promised to send the, uh, the subtitled versions to members of the European Parliament. However, many sources criticized Kedis, uh, Kedis, who acted as the cameraman, for asking his daughter leading questions and heavily editing the film. It contained 50 segments filmed across nine occasions. Yeah, that's... Mm. You got a little kid, man, and your dad, and you're like, you know, did this happen? Yeah. Yeah, it did. And did, you know what I mean? Like, you can, it's just like leading any witness, man. You're like, you, you can't do that. So that part, I'm like, ah, but then is, is any of it true? And did he get that initial idea because maybe she initially said something to him? Right. And maybe that's what sparked this whole fucking thing. And then she, he's like, well, you're going to tell everybody and we're going to send this to everybody because no one's doing anything. Right. You know? Yeah. I don't know. On October 5th, 2009. Oh. Formanovicius. And? <laughs> I can't do that one. <laughs> well, this not laughing. At, we're laughing at their names, sorry, but not this part. They were shot dead in Kaunas. Oh, wow. Kedis became the prime suspect, obviously. On the same day, a national search of Kedis was announced, soon followed by an announcement of an international investigation as he was thought to have left the country shortly after the murders. Kedis's friend, uh, Ramundas Ivanoskas, and Egle Baroscate were charged with accessory to murder. So the story caused a huge uproar in Lithuania, which mu- uh, with much of the public siding with Kedis. They were like, well, yeah, you should have killed them. In the public mind, the case was seen as a father's futile attempt to pursue justice and protect his daughter and being driven to desperate measures by anger at the injustice. Others question whether the killings were actually commissioned by Kedis himself. Right. Like, did he, some people questioned, like, did he even, did he even have anything to do with it? Oh, okay. Yeah, they were, some people just going, I don't know, maybe he did, he may not have had nothing to do, you know what I mean? Yeah. Maybe he's innocent. On April 17, 2019, at 6.49 a.m., after six months of a police search, a man fishing found Drosius Kedis' body near Conus Reservoir. Wow. An autopsy concluded he had died between the evening of April 15th and the morning of the uh, 16th. According to the official report, the cause of death was choking on vomit while being heavily intoxicated. However, his relatives were convinced that Kedis was murdered, pointing out wounds on his body. Kedis's relatives demanded a second opinion from independent experts. Finally, in April 2011, a report was received from the Swedish National Forensic Service confirming Kedis di- uh, had died from alcohol and drug poisoning and that he choked on the contents of his own stomach. The Swedish report differed from the Lithuanian experts in determining, quote, the injuries on the body appeared before his death and that the possibility of drowning is not excluded. Hmm. On April 24th, Kedis was buried in uh, uh, Junakai? Junasiai. Yeah, I like that one. All right. Uh, Cemetery. According to media reports, between six to 10,000 people from across the country attended the ceremony. Wow. Yeah. So now Usas, remember the guy that initially was the, the, the guy that came in and he was claimed or whatever? Yeah. Well, the main suspect in the uh, pedophilia case was officially charged with the sexual molestation of a minor. However, he was found drowned in a swamp in June 2010. The death was ruled an accident. Nevertheless, the court case against him, it actually continued, and the court found him innocent on November of 2012. What? Yeah. Wow. So that's... you've got accusations of, of, of molestation to a, a, a little kid. You got the mom and the sister offed. Yeah. The dad who runs off, he's offed. And then you've got the, 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 the I don't know, boyfriend, whatever you want to call him. He's offed. That's fucking wild. Why have I never heard of this before? Yeah, seriously. I was like, what the fuck? Now, I don't know, and the reason I put it in here is because it is, like, it's a stem of the vigilantism. Yeah. 
But, I mean, could he have had something in his head and he was just kind of, like, forcing it on the daughter? Not in that way. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I, I don't know. You know what I mean? All I know is that case is fucking crazy. Yeah, that's a wild one. That is insane. And how weird is it that Usas and um, Kedis were both drowned, yeah. allegedly, possibly? Yeah. Yeah. Weird. It was an accident. Yeah. Mm. All right. So next up, we have Miriam Rodriguez. Miriam's 20-year-old daughter mysteriously disappeared in 2012. Her daughter had been kidnapped and subsequently murdered, and several men were perpetrators of the crime. Yikes. Dissatisfied with the Mexican justice system, Miriam decided to take matters into her, her, uh, her own hands. I don't know why I stuttered on that. <laughs> da, 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 da. <laughs> to fool authorities and her daughter's kidnappers, Miriam changed her appearance as best she could and used fake identification to make it more difficult to trace her. One of Miriam's first victims was a member of a Mexican cartel who was implicit in the kidnapping and murder of her daughter. She cornered him, held him at gunpoint, and told him, quote, if you move, I'll shoot you. But she was just getting started. She eventually tracked down her daughter's killers one by one all across the country. But unfortunately, her vigilantism led to her ultimate downfall when multiple gunmen managed to kill her outside her home. Becoming a vigilante against organized criminals is a considerable risk, I would say, but mm-hmm. it was one that Miriam was willing to take to seek justice for her daughter. She, what a badass. Yeah, really. She went after them, dude. Then the, the cartel is not something you ever want to get entangled with, unfortunately. Correct. In any instance, especially now because they're like running a lot of the governments and shit like that that are down south. No bueno. Yeah. Mm. Well, speaking of people standing up against gangs. Oh, okay. So you, we, we once talked about MS-13. Yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we, we talked about them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, El Salvador's Ma- ha- ha- Salvador's, Salvador's Mara Salvatruca gang is better known as MS-13. Yeah. Formed in Los Angeles in, uh, in the 1980s, many members were deported for vicious crimes, and they are brutal. Yeah, what's their uh, their, their slogan? I don't remember. It's uh, uh, like murder, rape, kill, or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. They're fun. Yep. Yeah, they're fun. Fun at parties. From what I hear. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. However, several of them continued their criminal activity back home. The gang terrorized a nation plagued by a high poverty rate and a virtually helpless police force. Forced? Force. Until real life vigilantes stepped up to help. Spanish for black shadow, sombra negra. Ooh. Oh, hold on. <laughs> sombra negra. That's a scary. It is scary. I like it. Yeah. Was first formed around the early 1990s due to El Salvador. El, why can I say El Salvador? There it is. The authorities being glaringly overpowered by MS-13. Frustrated by the situation, Sombra Negra started targeting gang members for execution, especially MS-13 members. Okay. <laughs> okay. Sombra Negra members, come, uh, they come dressed in black with bandanas over their faces. They patrol the streets in unlicensed vehicles and with tinted windows. And one of their primary missions is to capture MS-13 members and make them, quote, disappear. Oh, yeah. As Sombra Negra has grown more powerful over the years, so have the legends of their brutal retribution against the gang members. Love this. From sexual torture, I don't love that, to dismemberment, eh, kind of. <laughs> the paramilitary group of vigilantes become more of a death squad than a traditional band of crime fighters. In El Salvador, it seemed that only extreme measures would stop MS-13. They're an extreme freaking group of gang it's a yeah, gang it's, it's a, a horrible 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 i said horrible damn it i gotta stop saying it it's just bad they're bad very bad okay they're bad 
Quote, most of the victims were blindfolded, their hands or thumbs tied behind their backs, and they had received tiros de gracia. Oh, a coup de gras. Uh, oh, boy. Shots to the base of the skull at close range by weapons such as assault rifles and machine guns. Oh, boy. Oh, that's... Oh. Yikes. A U.S. Citizenship and Immigration Services report actually said. That's what that's from. So <clears throat> they would, you know, just right to the back of the... That's that's one way to do it. I mean, it's quick. I mean, so, it's, sometimes painless. Maybe. From home invasions to sudden killings in the streets, Sombra Negra carries out its mission ruthlessly and describes it as, quote, social cleansing. And some authorities are grateful. Even El Salvador's head of National Assembly, Guillermo Gallegos, has admitted, quote, morally, I support this type of expression because people are tired of the way of delinquency. Okay. Huh. Kind of get it. Okay. Kind of get it. The head of the National Assembly said that. Yeah. Wow. In the end, it's worth noting that many people have mixed feelings about real-life vigilantes. Of course, that's why we're doing this episode. Mm -hmm. While they may sympathize with their motives in some cases, they may also find some of their choices reckless or unnecessarily dangerous. It could be a little bit excessive. Yeah. But there's no question that these vigilantes have left a massive impression on the world. You know, for better or for worse, right? Yeah, you gotta... And the only way to fight a gang is to be a gang. I mean, we learned that from the Bloods and the Crips and every other thing out there. And I remember a couple, like... A little bit ago, you said something about the cartel. Mm -hmm. Boy, do I got another one for you. Oh, shite. Yep, here we go. Another set of gang-fighting vigilantes. Pablo Escobar, as you guys may or may not know, he should need little, if any, introduction. You know, yeah, I mean, he's he's a hell of a guy. That's a phrase. Yeah, Yeah. painting, right? He's a painting guy. He's a, yeah. Sistine Chapel? Yes. He did that? Yeah, he did the Sistine Chapel. Right, right, right. Nope. Oh, one of the most infamous drug lords in modern history. The Colombian kingpin ran a colossal cocaine empire that saw thousands of people killed. Yet with corrupt authority figures in his pocket, Escobar's reign appeared resolute. Oh. Until it was over. <laughs> in the early 1990s, Escobar had two rival cartel members. Um, uh, he had them murdered, sorry, when they visited him in an opulent prison, which he had actually built for himself, which is kind of funny. Interesting. Yeah. Fidel Castano, the other cartel's boss, was he wasn't too fucking happy about this, and so he helped form Los Pepes. Oh, short for hmm, Perseguidos por Pablo Escobar. Oh, the paramilitary group welcomed people persecuted by Pablo Escobar. Okay, so that's what it—that's the anglicized version—is people persecuted by Pablo Escobar. I mean, they could have just called it. Oh no, it is Pepe. P P. No, it's. Yeah. No, no. Well, I guess in Spanish, it's P-P-E, so Pepe. Yeah, Yeah, Pepe. Yeah, okay. Okay. Pepe, kind of like you poopers. Get it? (laughs) Escobar was marked after he walked out of his prison in July of 1992. At this point, even in the U.S. government and CIA were aiding Los Pepes. (laughs) Yes. Yeah, of course. In their quest to find Escobar here. But unfortunately, Los Pepes also engaged in bloody bobbing, bombings against Escobar that killed and injured civilians. No bueno. No. No bueno. Mm. Some of these nearly killed their target, including a car bomb that injured Escobar's daughter. For more than a year, Los Pepes ruthlessly attacked anyone in Escobar's circle, from friends and relatives to public supporters and officials. Finally, it was in 1993 when they closed in on the myth, the man, the shitty legend himself, Pablo Escobar. After Los Pepes forced Escobar into hiding, Colombian intelligence intercepted a phone call from Escobar to his son. 
Now confident of his whereabouts, Colombian police and military forces headed for Escobar's newfound hiding place in the neighborhood of Los Olivos, ready for retribution after years of brutal violence in the country. Like, you've got to be a flaming piece of shit to have just not only a whole group of people coming after your ass, but then other countries... Like, head of their, like, CIA and stuff like that coming well, after your ass. I mean, the CIA well, yeah, yeah, I, know. Like I, got, I shouldn't have said CIA. Yeah, the CIA doesn't they don't like, like anyone that's in power. Yeah, well, they don't like anyone that deals coke outside their own lines. Anyways. Right, exactly. And, like, if we can't do it, neither can you. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> uh, whew, so, whether Los Pepes members actually played uh, an active role in killing him uh, remains pretty much contested but one thing is sure without their vigilant quest to find Escobar he would likely lead many more to their deaths ultimately he was chased across across rooftops and gunned down while on the run do you think Keanu Reeves was there just shooting into the sky when he couldn't fire the last remaining shot no 007 Oh, 007. Yes, for sure, 007. Oh, do you think it was like Pierce Brosnan 007? No. Or like a Sean Connery 007? Pierce Bro- no, Pierce Brosnan. No. Or what's the new guy? Um, uh, da, 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 oh. I know, I know. Uh, Keith, 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 uh, Keith. Richards. No. Oh. <laughs> That'd be funny. <laughs> uh, hold on. Bond. James Bond. <laughs> That'd be... Fucking amazing! <laughs> no, what's his name? Uh, it's uh, it's it's Keith, right? No, it's David something. Uh, oh, yeah, the David Keith. David no. Beckham. Da- no, that's the <laughs> soccer player. Oh, look, I'm David Beckham. <laughs> Keith Keith David is the guy that played. Uh, he's been in a bunch of movies. He's a great actor. Not that guy though. No, it's uh, Craig. Craig. Daniel Craig. Yeah, Daniel Craig. Yeah. Uh-huh. Every it. time you get to it, I'm literally looking at it. I don't it. get it. I don't need Google. The Google. The Google machine. No, my favorite, honestly. Uh, um, I loved, um, well, Sean Connery was, of course, great because he's the OG. Yeah, of course. Kind of. There's actually another guy that's in there, too, but he only did one movie. And then um, I loved. Uh, da, 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 the guy da, after, da, right before Pierce Brosnan, right? Why? No, that was uh, right before Pierce Brosnan was Timothy Dalton. Yeah. Yeah. I think he only did like one or two movies. No, he was all right. I'm thinking of why can't I think of the gentleman's name? Some of my favorite Bond movies. Which one are you talking about? I thought there's only four. Of them. No, he did like. Uh, hold on, um, 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 uh, the song. Uh, let's see, Duran Duran actually did the theme song for it. The song Octopus. James. Uh, no. Ah, uh, oh, fuck. James Reardon. No, I had it. Um, Con- not Conrad. I'll think of it anyway. Moving on. <laughs> and lastly, Logan. What happens when an entire town decides that a lousy guy needs to die? Uh, well, I would assume that the lousy guy dies. Well, it didn't take long for Ken McElroy to become the resident bully of Skidmore, Missouri. And yes, you guys may know this story because there was a uh, there was a documentary on uh, Netflix recently called Skidmore. And considering his crimes, the bully label was putting things lightly. For years after he dropped out of school, he was accused of everything from theft and arson to child molestation and statutory rape. Hell of a guy. Wow, wow. But despite being indicted 21 times, he dodged convictions every time. Mm. After McElroy raped a 12-year-old girl, he divorced his wife and married the child when she was 14 to avoid a statutory rape charge. Yes, you heard that. He raped a 12-year-old got rid of his wife, and then married her so he wouldn't get put up on charges. Yep. When her parents objected, he shot their dog and burned their house down. 
Yeah. Mm -hmm. And after he shot a farmer in 1976, he somehow produced two witnesses who claimed that McElroy was nowhere near the scene of the crime that day. No, he couldn't have done it. Ken McElroy was a true terror for Skidmore residents who wanted him taken the fuck out. Yeah. McElroy's downfall was a long time in the making, but it truly fell into motion in 1980 after he shot the town's elderly grocer in the neck. Yes. Fuck. This is 1980? This yeah. isn't like 1780 or 1880 back in the Wild Wild West Correct. days? This is 1980. Fuck. <laughs> <God>. <laughs> Things happen a little bit different over there in Missouri. Apparently. If you know what I'm saying. Damn. So though McElroy was charged with attempted murder and eventually convicted, he appealed the case and uh, he was released. Oh my yeah, God. he got a bond, you know. Soon afterward, it seemed the entire town was present at a gathering on July 10th of 1981 to, you know, talk about Ken McElroy. Though exactly what they said, it's not really clear, you know, but there's really no question that they decided that uh, McElroy, they had enough of his shit. Okay. Residents heard that McElroy had gone to the D&G Tavern for a drink. In a prime example of a real-life vigilantes in action, the community walked to the bar to confront him. And with no warning, someone started shooting. Some accounts describe up to 50 townspeople involved in the shooting. Jeez. In the end, McElroy was shot multiple times and struck by at least two firearms, meaning that most of them don't know how to shoot shit, which is weird. <laughs> he succumbed to the wounds in his truck. He actually got it out, got out to his truck, and he died there. Wow. This is amazing. No one called an ambulance or agreed to testify against another person in court. And to this day, no one has ever been charged with his death. Was it Roger Moore? That's it. Damn it. Fuck. Christ. What the hell? I actually stopped thinking about it for a second. <laughs> it was driving me crazy. There's Roger Moore, yeah. Roger yeah. Moore, George Lazenby. Barry yeah, Lazenby Nelson. only did like one. David Niven. Wait, who'd you say? Barry Nelson? He did Climax. Barry Nelson? Why do I not know that one? I have no idea, but apparently he did James Bond Climax. What? They do like a James Bond parody Fucking it, porno? Uh, Is that what they did? Fucking no idea. Apparently. Climax. It was 1954 to 1958. It was a series. Four seasons it lasted on TV on CBS. Except his name is... Instead of... <laughs> it's James Bung. <laughs> Bung. James Bung. And he just likes licking buttholes. Anyway, I don't know. <laughs> All right. So today we are talking about our movies. The, the of movie. course, we're talking about the 10 best vigilante films. And all of them are going to just be Batman. No. No? No. Oh. Number 10 from 1967, The Born Losers. Oh. The iconic screen character of Billy Jack made his first appearance in this drive-in classic. The Born Losers has Billy Jack taken on a biker gang and becoming the vigilante that would that that we would see in subsequent films. The film became extremely popular, leading it to become one of the all-time biker movie classics. I've never heard of that one. Never heard of it either. Born Losers. Tom Laughlin wrote and directed it. Uh, his creation became a iconic whatever Native American philosophy and kicking ass. And there's Kung Fu in it. Oh, oh. hell yeah. It's like Roadhouse, but on yeah. steroids. Roadhouse. Number nine, The Exterminator from 1980. Right. And this is not like the ex-Terminator, like if Arnold Schwarzenegger lost his job. <laughs> this is The Exterminator. <laughs> yeah, Got to revoke your T-1000 license, <laughs> yeah. bud. <laughs> Come on. This is bullshit. <laughs> I came to every meeting. I don't understand. 
<laughs> Truly one of the more controversial vigilante films due to the extreme viciousness of its violence. Love it. James Glickenhouse's The Exterminator found Robert Ginty. Did, wait, didn't you just say Robert Ginty in that one thing? Didn't you say he was... R- Roger Moore. No, before that. You said Ginty. Did I? I thought you did. Hold on. I don't know. It could, I could be completely wrong. Uh, uh, October 5th. Nope. I said George Lazenby, Roger Moore, Timothy Dalton, Barry Nelson, David Niven. Boy, I fucking heard that wrong. <laughs> anyway, Robert Ganty has a man who sees his best friend die at the hands of street thugs. The character gets guns and a flamethrower and proceeds to become a violent and unforgiving vigilante. Damn. Critics trash the film <laughs> as a vulgar and too bloody Death Wish ripoff, which... Yeah, Death Wish is amazing. Uh, you've seen Death Wish, right? That sounds really familiar. Well, they remade it with Bruce Willis recently, and it sucked. It was so, it was so bad. The original ones with Charles Bronson were amazing, and I'm sure that's on this list. I, I might have seen it. Yeah. I, that sounds super, it's so super good. familiar. But audiences made it a huge hit in the grindhouse circuit and is extremely popular with 80s action fans. Huh. So that's that one. Oh, speaking of, number 74, Death Wish. Huh. It's number eight. Charles Bronson was already a big star due to his uh, work in such uh, films as The Great Escape, The Magnificent Seven, great movie, and Once Upon a Time in the West. The actor became a film icon through his action thriller work in the 70s, beginning with Michael Winner's Death Wish in 1974. Bronson played Paul Kersey, an architect whose family is attacked, leading to the death of his wife. Kersey hits the street with recently purchased uh with a recently re- recently recently purchased gun to get rid of the city of bad guys while searching for the men who destroyed his family. Yeah, it's okay. a good movie. Okay. It's a good movie. I like it. By the way, number 7, Death Wish 2. <laughs> <laughs> Guess what? It's the same movie. Oh, that's interesting. <laughs> yeah, we're just going to keep going. No, it's not the same movie. It's just, you know, it's the second one. Number 6 from 2010 is Kick-Ass. Yeah. Matthew Vaughn's clever, funny, and exciting adaptation of the graphic novel Kick-Ass became an instant cult classic. It is the story of a group of young social outcasts who decide to become superheroes, even though none of them have any superpowers or real skill, (laughs) which means they basically become vigilantes. And it was okay. I mean, it was all right. The the chick, she was pretty super. I'm not a huge fan of the guy that plays the the kick-ass dude. Yeah, I don't. He was the guy that played Silver, uh, Silver Fox, too, right? Silver. Quicksilver, Quicksilver, Silver oh, Fox. Oh yeah yeah, 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 yeah. In the Marvel ones, I don't know. I, I don't know. I mean, it's yeah. whatever. It's 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 whatever. But it did have uh, our boy Nick Cage in it, so yes. we'll run with that. Yes. Number five from 1981, Ms. Forty Five. Abel Ferrara created this cult vigilante film about a mute woman who is raped twice in one day and begins to lose her mind. Jesus Christ. She gets a 45 caliber pistol and stalks the sleazy New York night shooting men who she deems bad. What the fuck? The film was a hit in the grindhouse cinemas of the big cities and found an even bigger cult following on VHS. The star of the film, Zoe Lund, received good reviews, as did for uh, Ferrara's low-budget filmmaking. Fans of the genre embraced its gritty street violence, and for its time, it, it was uh, unique to see a woman take control and fight back. Okay. All I know in this picture, she's dressed as a nun with a freaking gun in her hand. Yeah, that's kind of kind of badass. Yeah, a little I'm bit. Not gonna lie. Number four, yes, falling down. I I know you haven't. Don't even. I know. I get it. I get it. I get it. <laughs> I, I get it. This movie is amazing. Director Joel Schumacher has a filmography that traversed many different genres. 1993's Falling Down was his one and only vigilante film, and many consider it to be one of his finest. Michael Douglas stars as a man who is just fucking fed up with his country. During a traffic jam, he leaves the car and begins walking the city of Los Angeles to fight back against what he perceives to be social injustices. At first, the audience is somewhat behind him 
until it's revealed that Douglas's character is mentally unstable and, yeah, pretty dangerous. Ah. It's great, though. Yeah. It's great. There's a scene at McDonald's where they, like, didn't make his shit right. Fucking flips his fucking Egg McMuffin, if you know what I'm saying. Gotcha. Yeah. Number three. Um, this is from 1982. It's called Vigilante. Vigilante. Ooh. From 1982. Hold on. This stupid <laughs> I hate going to these websites. I swear to God. I'm just going to, like, just off-do them. What is it called? Off where you can take them. I'm going to jack them off is what I'm going to do. <laughs> I'm just going to jack them all off. <laughs> no, I've whatever. So this is 1982. The title of William Lustig's 1982 Vigilante couldn't be more self-explanatory. Robert Forster stars as a man whose wife and son are attacked by thugs. The corrupt court lets them off. So Forster and his friend, played by Fred Williamson, turn vigilante in uh, uh, in search of justice. Yeah, that actually sounds badass, actually. Huh. I mean, it's pretty much all the same as the rest of these. Number two, Magnum Force. Yeah! You gotta know what this one is. I've never heard of this. Are you serious? What the fuck is Magnum Force? The sequel of Don Siegel's 1971 classic, Dirty Harry. Oh, okay, okay, okay. You feel lucky, punk? Yeah. Well, did I shoot five? Do you? Six. <laughs> yeah. Director uh, uh, Ted Post and screenwriters Michael uh, Camino and John Milius pitted Harry Callahan, of course, that's our boy, against a secret vigilante police force who were riding or ridding the city of uh, San Francisco of the criminals who slipped through the fingers of justice. Okay, yes, that's what that one is. Cool, yeah. And number one, believe it or not, I've never seen this. What is it? I know all about it. Oh, okay. Number one, 1976's Taxi Driver. Oh, I've heard of this. It's got Robert De Niro in it, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's where he's like, you're looking at me? You, you look. I know you're looking at me. There's nobody else here. That's what that's 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 what it's from. Yeah, yeah, that's what it's from. Martin Scorsese's Taxi Driver is considered to be one of the best films of its decade and a powerful and influential American masterpiece. And yeah, I've never seen this. There, there's one movie that he did that I absolutely loved. It was uh, he was a uh, uh, I don't remember what the hell he was. I only saw part of the movie because I had to do it. Who De Niro or Scorsese? Uh, De, De Niro. Oh, okay. And he did a uh, he was meet like, the fuckers. No, he was a fucking like car salesman <laughs> or something like that. And he was uh, he was showing off a car and the wife was like getting like weird with him and he was like the fuck i'm over here fucking put my heart on the fucking line here trying to give you this fucking oh, car I, I think i know what that is i don't remember what movie I'm it was but it was super off like yeah like, like real dark and like yeah weird, yeah and the, dude that's his best shit oh, honestly yeah. in my opinion he's such an amazing actor you know what i mean yeah. he's getting up there in age though yeah unfortunately so you guys should know this robert de niro stars as uh travis bickle a man who wants to clean up uh the crime drug and pimp infest in new york city in one of the film's many memorable lines bickle suggests that Quote, a real man should come to, quote, wash the scum off the streets. Hmm. So, yeah, that's that's your movie. However, I am a little bit pissed off that because uh, I know of a couple of really good ones. I like, know. I was about to say, those are all like old movies. Like what happened to like Taken and, you know, I mean, yeah, but I, dude, the, what's the one with Kevin Bacon where like his son's murdered and he goes after the gang? Oh, I can't think of what the damn name I of mean, it is. There's so many different There's movies so many. that yeah. I could consider a really good vigilante movie. All right, so now, uh -oh. I know this is a long episode, but you know what? You, you guys love it. I know you do. You're I drinking. You do. We're yeah. drinking. We're having a good time. That's right. That's right. And I cannot wait for Halloween. Seriously. I know. We keep talking about it every single day. Yeah. Like, it's, it's, I'm so excited about it. Uh -oh. Like, it's going to be so much fun, and I really want you guys to just, you know, especially, I mean, you got to be a Patreon member. Or maybe we could set it up where, like, instead of being a Patreon member, you can, I don't know, pay, like, five bucks for the day or whatever just to watch it. Yeah. yeah, just for the one of them. Maybe. But I want to make this special for the people that have been supporting us financially. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? So it's going to be awesome. So I, I can't wait. Maybe there might be 
murder. <laughs> no, that wasn't. Holy shit! Off putting at all. <laughs> if you just gotta work, uh, work on your uh, your uh, your, you should have waited a little bit. Damn, you should have been like, though maybe murder. See, <laughs> had my See? Over my mouth you, you, you gotta have that little yeah, bit yeah. of a. If you gotta wait there, you know yeah, what I mean. But that was good. That was good. I gotta hold it right. So before we move on to the end of the show, um, uh, let's talk, dude. Like, what do you think about the vigilantism? Or vi- vigilantism. I always thought it was vigilantism, but I guess I'm an idiot. At the end of the day, if push comes to shove, I may or may not follow along the same lines. Okay, so out of all the stories we've we've we talked about today, which one seems the most justified? Like hands down, like absolutely, one hundred percent. Um. Well, I mean, obviously, if there's anything that happens to your kid, for sure. But the, so those two, those those, those first two, a hundred and ten percent all day long. The and one where it was, uh, what's his face, uh, the 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 Blauche guy or whatever, Jody and them, the, that one, the karate yeah. one. That one, I'm like, eh. why? I don't know. I, I don't want to. That's the one where he popped the dude in the head. That's the one where he popped the dude in the head. But he didn't. I don't know. Even like his son was like. At the end of the day, like I understand why he did it, which I agree with. I understand why he did it. I don't think shooting him in the head in an armed escort in the middle of an airport. But how else are you going to get to him? It's he's going to prison. Okay, you get guys to do it for you. Really? Yeah. Yeah, but sometimes a man's just gonna take shit into his own hands. True that, true that. You know what I mean? Because I'm, I'm sorry, dude. Like, and I, 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 I've talked about this kind of shit numerous times. Do I think? I don't know if I could do something like that. I honestly don't know if I could. No. I don't think anyone does until you're at that point. Yeah, until you're pushed over the edge. You know what I mean? I mean, I've had moments in my life where I've been almost there. Mm. Like, almost there. And, I mean, to be honest, I had, unfortunately, something happened to my sister when she was young. Mm-hmm. And um, we, I almost went at, I almost went to prison. I'll just put it that way. Yeah. Uh, luckily, somebody talked me down and we didn't go. I mean, don't get me wrong. I was like pissing myself the whole time. Like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, I'm going to do this. Fuck yeah, I'm going to do this. I'm going to fucking do this. You know what I mean? That right. kind of thing. But I, I think you never know what you're capable of until you're put into that predicament. Yeah. However, I do believe that that kind of justice is so much more deserved than going to prison and getting three hots of cot and a fucking education and everything else for the rest of your fucking life. Yeah. You know you what I mean? Shouldn't be living now, now, again... Not to downplay what that guy did versus the woman, he didn't kill the kid. Yeah. Okay. That's that's what I was more along like. But I, I mean, want to seem like heartless about it, but like he didn't he didn't kill the kid. He kidnapped them and and molested was, he molested him. There was there was the counts of molestation on it. Yeah, I don't remember. yeah, yeah. I saw that there was like sexual abuse. I don't know if it was considered which molestation. Is, but. Sexual abuse, same thing. Okay, that's all. Yeah, that's the same thing. I mean, it, it's it's okay. So as as a parent. Yeah. You become, first of all, my job in life is to protect you, right. your your brother, and your sisters. Right. That's my job. Okay. And now it's my job to do the same thing with my granddaughter. Right. You know what I mean? No matter what. Mm-hmm. Obviously, you're dad, so you get first dibs on whoever, but don't think I ain't going to be there. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> we'll hold hands right. while we're doing it. <laughs> the second that you, are, you, you pop into this world. Our job should be, should be, yeah, making sure to protect you no matter what. Yeah. And if somebody happens to step on that, and somebody happens to take you, that, first of all, you're, the innocence. Yeah, you're taking the innocence away from somebody. Um, I mean, imagine the the turmoil and the, the shit that kid's gonna have to go through for the rest of their life. Right. Like you, you're. It's disgusting. It's one hundred percent disgusting. So, in my opinion, this is how I feel about pedophiles too. And you guys can, you know, honestly, you can. Agree with me or not, yeah. but 
to me, pedophilia is not a choice. Nope. It's a, it's, 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 you're, you're fucked up mm-hmm. and you got to get that shit figured out, but you should know that it's not a choice. And if you act on it, then fuck you. Bye. That's how I feel about it. Yeah, I do. You know what I mean? I feel like people have this mental, people have these things. I mean, look in mother, uh, in, in, in nature and shit. There's all kinds of fucking anomalies that happen all the time. Yeah. We are no more, I mean, yeah, we may be smarter, quote unquote, <laughs> than a lot of animals, but we, we have, we have anomalies that happen. I mean, that's yep. just life. That's what happens. You yeah. know what I mean? I, I would hope that nobody would ever want, you know, go out and be like, you know what I'm going to do today? I'm going to be into little kids. Yeah, no. I hope no one would ever do that. I think that's a, you got some wires crossed. Right. You need to get it fixed before you act on it. Yeah. You know? And so get that help and then go from there. But the second you act on the second you act on it. Yep. Bye. Yep. Period. I agree. And that's 100% how I feel about it. So we talked about a few different ones, and I'm glad we put different ones in there because there were some fucking stretches in there. Yeah, a little bit. And, of course, a lot of people think murder is never justified, and that mm. is completely cool for you to believe that way or to think that way or to believe that. I said it in a weird fucking way. Yeah. Anyway, it's it's super cool, and, like, 100%, you believe whatever you want to. However, I believe that sometimes, yes, that shit's justified. Yeah, there's... Just like these fucking assholes that back in the day... If you played fucked around, fuck around and find out, you got executed. Yep. You know, that was it. Now, the gray area there, there's always like that one uh, we were talking about. There's always that possibility. If you don't have 100% definitive evidence, concrete evidence, I'm not talking circumstantial Fuck that shit. Nope. You have Circ- DNA can place them there. People have seen them. All this shit. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and like a fucking like admittance. Yeah. You get that, and you've got all that lined up. Then yeah, that's it. Bye. Mm-hmm. Bye. You know what I mean? Like, I'm sorry. Like, you you should you shouldn't have done what you did. Right. You know, you play stupid games, you win stupid prizes. Yeah. That's it. But on the other side of that, there are so many fucking people that are incarcerated with the potential of being executed on bullshit fucking circumstantial evidence yeah. that it almost makes it like that's where I sit back and go ah then I guess I'm not fully on board you know yeah unfortunately yeah I, I guess not however in this this is not the courts this is not this is not going through the judicial system this is not allowing you know judge and jury and everybody else to fucking do this this is a fucking hurt angry just just disemboweled parent right that you took their child away. And I know, like you're saying, I, and, and I, I kind of, I, I get what you're saying about the one guy. Like, yeah, the, he didn't kill the kid. Yeah. He was going to prison. Okay. Like, it, that was a stretch. I mean, like I, like I said, I don't know if I would have, I mean, I don't, I don't know. I, I would, I don't, I would hope to God I would never be put in a situation like that where I would have a, a issue where someone may or may not have. Yeah, and I hope to God daughter. nobody listening ever has yeah. to deal with that. But, and if you have, I would love to honestly hear your story. I mean, seriously, without any kind of like you know jokes or whatever, I would like to hear your story and, and how you overcame that, right? And what you did for that because I, I could, I couldn't. I, again, you don't know what you're going to do. Correct. When you are, you know put in that position because that is that is not something that you deal with every day right that is not a a situation that anyone should ever have to deal with first and foremost correct but second of all how do you deal with it when it happens right you know do you just 
let the system do its job, and if it doesn't do it, you just say, ah, oh, well, fuck it, I guess that's it. That's, yeah. that's, I'm going to piss and moan forever. At the end of the day, the system is not perfect. It's all No, it is by far not perfect. So anyway, we want to know what you guys think. Yes, peace. Is validated vigilante justice okay? Okay, and by validated, exactly like the one woman, she had her daughter murdered. She went in and she killed the guy that killed her daughter. Mm-hmm. Okay, done. Done. One guy had his daughter ki- or his son kidnapped and sexually abused or whatever it is, and he took care of it. Mm-hmm. Now, was that a stretch? Should he not have done that? Okay. Let us know what you guys think, seriously. You know what I think. We just told you. Yeah. Right? And Logan told you what he thought. Yeah. So that's that's where I'm at. Now, that, I do love the whole Skidmore one, though. The Skidmore one is hilarious because it just happened, like, what, 40 years ago? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, that was uh, all. All I, could, all I could see was like an old western where like this douchebag just sitting at the bar, just pounding away shots, and this whole town just comes in with guns drawn. You just hear, <laughs> yeah, and a little tumbleweed. <laughs> see, what I should have done is I should have held the date of it out until yeah. the very end of it, dude. Because I swear that did not yeah. sound like it sounds like an old west story. It literally it yeah. happened forty years ago. And that it sounds, sounds like an old west story. Oh, man. But man, sometimes, dude, like it, it just sucks because you know, there, sometimes some people just squeak by. And you know they're a horrible human being. Now, now, is it up to, you know, you know, when people play judge, jury, and executioner, or yeah. would they say that one time, judge, Judy, and executioner? <laughs> yeah. No, I'm not trying to play judge, Judy, and executioner. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> that's hot fuzz. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, I, I get that part of it, but in the same sense, man, it's like sometimes I feel like the system just lets us down so much. It, yeah, you know what I mean? That's not a perfect system. But and then you no got people just sitting in prison. And then the worst is when they get these fucking appeals, mm-hmm. and because of a loophole, yep. they get to walk free. And, and I, that happens a lot. I just I don't like a lot of defense attorneys because... They're well, just doing their job, dude. I know they're just doing their job, but I mean... I mean, and truthfully, I know where you're coming from because I'm, to me, for the longest time, I was like, man, fuck defense attorneys. Yeah. Like, you're literally defending this piece of shit. I had to work but with a lot of those guys, you though, do. too. And they just, they, most of the ones I had to work with when I was working at the prison, they were always just fucking scumbags. And there's a difference between, like, they would show up with, like, fucking gold chains, dimed out, bling, like, just looking. Oh, because they're making money hand over fist. <laughs> That's what I'm saying, but they're, like. <laughs> they're defense attorneys. Yeah. Stupid, yeah. Man. Unless you're, you know, um. A court, a court appointed. Yeah, they make like nothing. nothing. Yeah, yeah. they barely make. Yeah, yeah. It's like to survive. What is it? Normally they make two hundred dollars an hour, and I think like court appointed is like forty or something yeah, like that. Terrible. Yeah, but regardless, as long as you are ethical and you are doing what you're supposed to do in the right way, then I'm all about defense attorneys doing everything they can to get their um, their clients off. Yeah, I do. I honestly one hundred percent just be ethical about it. The second you you tip the scale. And get a couple extra bucks for, you know. Then you're just as bad as your client is. 100%. You, know you know should be in his yeah. bunkie. That's what you should be. Yeah. So this was a fun one. Yeah, a little bit. I actually had a good time with this one. Yeah. I did. It was it was good because it's it's like true crime but not really true crime. And it's like talking about people kind of doing this but not really doing this. And then you got Killer Petey in there. Which, <laughs> it was just fucking Jesus up. Christmas. <laughs> that son of a bitch. So listen, we hope you guys enjoyed this show. Um, get on over to the uh, MidnightDreamPodcast.com and let us know. Let us know about it, all right? Tell us if you liked it or not. Tell us if you've ever had to deal with something like this or if someone you knew had to deal with about it. And for fuck's sake, give us your gosh darn ghost stories. Uh, yeah. We've got a lot of them, but not enough. I want more. I want ghost stories. Even if you don't make one up. Fuck it. <laughs> 
I want to be. Dude, I want to be trembling in my boots. Make one up. I would love for you guys to get creative and make up ghost stories. You know what we'll do, and we'll go through and see which ones we believe and don't. Okay. All right. I like that. So we'll do that. Give us some fucking off the cuff shit that I would never think. Fucking Nixon was in your bedroom hanging out with you. You know what I mean? Like just fucking something crazy. You know? Let's get wild. Of all presidents, you chose Nixon. <laughs> I should have said Clinton, but he's not dead yet. Anyways. But still, like, Nixon? Little, I am not a crook. <laughs> yeah, the, little, the peace sign just <laughs> hanging over your bed like, I am not a crook. <laughs> I used to hang out every day with Elvis Presley. <laughs> anyway, get on over to our website, themidnighttrainpodcast.com. Let us know what you think. Sign up over there, too, if you have not done that. Plus, at our website, you can get some super sweet, super sweet. some merchandise, right? Merchandising, merchandising. And just get over there. We got Duke of Fingerbum shirts. We got the Don't Be a DeSalvo shirt. We got the Chill shirt. Yes. And, of course, we got the latest Maurice the... <laughs> Why do you keep killing all those people, Maurice? Maurice, stop killing all the people. I told you, all you have to do is just protect the feet, and you don't protect the feet. <laughs> Yeah, get on over and get yourself a Maurice the uh, Ripper shirt. The Fuck. dumbest shit I think we've ever come up with. I want that as a fucking comforter. I want to go to sleep at night with a Maurice <laughs> I'll the Ripper. I'll see what I can do. I'll see what I can do. Yeah. So get on over there. There's all kinds of stuff. Uh, hats, phone cases, pretty much anything you want over there. And if there's something on there that you you know you don't see, just fucking just let us know, and I'll I'll make sure it happens. Yeah. You know, I design all the shit. Right. Anyway. I can do I can do it. You can do it. I can do it, Maurice. So listen. <laughs> While you're there, get yourself some Dr. Squatch soap. I just got my new Star Wars one, and it's beautiful. Mm. And, of course, Dr. Squatch, you've heard us talk about it numerous times and over and over again because it's amazing soap. I do genuinely use it. I do genuinely love it. It smells amazing. Even my wife's like, well, that one smells awesome. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That's like, I don't know, 5 o'clock in the afternoon when I smell like badonky donk. (laughs) You know? She's like, damn, you smell good. Anyway, get 20% off your first subscription. Just head to the midnighttrainpodcast.com. Click on sponsors, click on that banner, and use the promo code that you see there to get 20% off the best damn soap. And if you like what you've heard from us, listen, become a producer of the show. Become a pooper, where I will explain to you why you're called that. And you can also get in on the Halloween special we got coming up, because it's going to be stupid fun. It's going to be so much Emphasis fun. on the stupid, but anyway, <laughs> it's going to be great. For as little as five bucks a month, you can get all kinds of cool stuff. All the bonuses, stickers, uh, posters, I mean, you name it. You, there's tiers in there. You can donate. You can do a dollar. You can do five dollars. You can do ten dollars, which are going to start getting their secret perks, which are going to be coming soon. I've been working very diligently on those. And then there's the $25 level, too, where you get all kinds of shit. And uh, we might just give you a reach around. Anyway, so if you're a diehard Midnight Train fan, um, you know, help promote this guy, man. Jump on board, right? Come on in. The seats are comfortable. Comfortable? They're comfortable. Okay. Yeah, you know what I mean? Get in here. It's a good time. But most importantly, do us a favor. Share the Midnight Train. Even if you can't, if you don't want to jump into the Patreon, just share it to everybody. Yeah, just tell anybody. Tell your freaking grocer, your pharmacist, your dentist. Absolutely. I hear four out of five dentists actually really like us right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Four out of five dentists do agree yeah. that the Midnight Train Podcast is the second best podcast in America. Probably. Yeah. Probably. <laughs> <laughs> so make sure you guys are just telling people about it because, yeah, yeah, that's how we do it. And listen, we obviously love music. We talk about it all the time. And plus, we have another podcast called Icons and Outlaws that we know we haven't done one in a while. Thank you, Moody. <laughs> he sent me a text the other day. He's like, dude, what, what the fuck's going on? Like, I'm busy. <laughs> Sorry. It takes a long time. Yes, it's a lot. A lot of work. A lot of work. But anyway, music is huge to us, all right? And we've, uh, you know, we believe that future generations 
they should have accessibility um, to you know music and music education. Agreed. Right. Yeah. So we've decided to uh, you know give to a great cause, the Save the Music Foundation. Their mission is to help students, schools, and communities reach their full potential through the power of making music. As one of the leading music foundations in the United States, they support their partner communities, uh, or they support their support uh, their sub partners, their partner communities in three ways: by donating musical instruments and musical technology, providing support services for teachers, and advocating for music education. Which, damn it, they got to start. They, they yeah. quit taking it out of schools. Yeah. So every month, we are going to donate 20% of our merchandise sales as well as our Patreon donations from both shows. If the other one starts to come back here, it will. It'll come back. We're just working on things. Anyway, so support the show, get a ton of bonuses, and help a great cause. All right? So get on over there. Right? Yeah. Right. Do it. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter, on Instagram, on TikTok, on YouTube. And if you're on Spotify, rate us because you could do that now. Plus, Spotify, to me, is the better podcast player. Sorry, Apple. You're not paying me. <laughs> it is yeah. honestly. I'd re- I, to, yeah, I I, I actually for some reason Apple like skips all over the place for me. Like every time I like I go from like a Wi-Fi mm-hmm. and off the Wi-Fi, it like skips like an hour back or so. It's just yeah, weird. It's Apple's weird. weird. But hey, Apple, you can also uh, rate us over there too. So if you're an Apple listener, get on over there and do that too. Yeah. All right. So we can't thank you guys enough for all the love and support we've received. You guys really, you guys make this so much fun. We, we sit yeah. here and like we have a good time together. Oh yeah, but we do this because we know we're gonna hear you guys talk about it later, Fuck and you yeah. guys support us, and we watch. What I you love guys do. and hate the fact that you guys make fun of the fact that I've never seen any movies <laughs> because you haven't seen shit. I've seen good movies. We're watching Taxi Driver for sure. Oh yeah, we should watch Taxi Driver. We're gonna watch Love Guru later too. No, why? I've seen it. Oh, you have? Yes, it's Riley that hasn't seen Love Guru. Uh, he's a smart man. He, no, he's not. He hasn't seen any of the Marvel at all. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. The youngest son is kind of uh, breaking my heart. But, yeah. I've yeah. seen every Marvel movie ever. Ever. Have you? Ever. All of them? All of them. All right. Morbius? Yes. You haven't seen no, it? No, I haven't. Fucker. <laughs> Let's say we just saw it, talked about that. It literally just dropped like a week ago. I'm, it's good, though. Seriously. I, I, need, I, to, I, I need enjoy to, it. I need to get my drinks. I need to get my popcorn. I need to get my night. And I haven't had a night. Yeah? No. You should have a night. I need a night. Yeah. What happened to Friday nights with you on Discord watching movies? I haven't had a night. Yeah. <laughs> we got to make that happen, seriously. So anyway, thank you guys very much for listening, and a very special thank you to our fearless executive producer. Are you Patreon poopers? Beautiful people. You guys are amazing, and thank you so much for all you do. To George DeJesus, uh, Megan McTerry, Tomislav Sobota, Amanda Denz, Chris Lucas, Zachary Danielson, Joseph Aramo, Margaret Dempsey, Kelly Ryan, Nathan Diekman, Stacey Lukonen, Nicholas Cooper, Caitlin McKenney, Trent Scott, Spencer Dunlap, Jacob Cook, Maggie Brothers, Miles Campbell, Brian Gunsman, Colleen Cox, Pumpkin Escobar, Mac Doherty, Turner Cox, Sydney Sayer, Gina Madison, Janet Sherell, Chad Flint, Chris McLeod, hey, uh, Chris McLeod, thanks, buddy. I appreciate what you did. Justin Kowalczyk, Rob Webb from the Funbox Podcast, Christina Skelton, and Jessica Bartolome from the Sisters Skelton Podcast. Maria Gibbs, Chainsaw. What the fuck? Jigsaw, Rick Resler, Courtney Batchelor, our girl Katie Brabinick, and our boy Bill Birch. Oh, good for you. Hold on, let's do hold on. Are we gonna do it again? Hold on. It's more it's more throaty. It's in the, it's in the throat. It's in more in the throat. Oh, good no, for no, you. No, 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 no. It's like when you when you say it, it's you're like you're yelling it. Oh, good for you. That's, that that's a little better. Better. Yeah, but but like not as raspy. Overemphasize the O when you do it. Oh, good for you. That's, that's, that's better. <laughs> it's better. It's better. It's better. It's 
better. So anyway, <laughs> to all you guys out there, listen, we appreciate you so much, and you have no idea. And look forward to, to this uh, this Halloween thing because it's going to be yes. amazing. We're going to bedazzle it. We are going to bedazzle. Our gonna, jeans are going to be bedazzled. Your jeans might be bedazzled. Oh. No. Because <laughs> they're going to see us. I'm not doing that. No? Mm-mm. Just put pooper on the back of your... Around your ass. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I might be dazzled. <laughs> anyway, we want to thank you guys seriously so much from the bottom of my and Logan's heart. And if you want your name to be mentioned and become just an integral part of the, the show like those great people are, yeah. just do us a favor. Sign up, become a Patreon producer, a pooper, if you will. Mm. And in the meantime, stay safe out there, passengers. And as always, a choo-choo, motherfucker. That was good, wasn't it? <laughs> Now go home and get your fucking shine box. And don't kill anybody.